Hey everyone, welcome to the Debatable Podcast. I'm Greg Sadashne. Uh Today is our 10th episode. It's a great milestone and I'm glad that you uh, downloaded and uh, streamed or whatever to listen to this. I'm, I'm very happy to finally put it out there. 10 episodes is a big deal. Uh, 10 times, let's say, hour and a half, two hours each. That's a lot of material, a lot of content to put out there. And uh, I was happy to, uh, to, to get this one done. Um, I mean, overall, this has been so far uh, a, a great uh, experience a great ad- adventure to uh, to to publish this kind of content and to uh, you know have my own show to have my own radio show sure but uh, also beyond that to see something creative that I'm putting out into the world and and uh, the the guests who have been so uh, so uh, happy to help me and, and, and be on the show and enrich the uh, experience that I, I can't thank them enough. So uh, yeah, that's that's the main thing that it, as a milestone 10 episodes means to me that that this uh, this much content has been able to be put out there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 99% happy with the whole thing. I, got, I always got to have that 1% in which I'm, you know, oh, I could have done that better. I could have mixed that better. I could have, uh, you know, raised the volume there or whatever, you know, it could have been, it could have been just a little bit better, but for the most part, episode to episode, I've been so happy with, uh, how they've come together, uh, the music, the guests, uh, the, the interviews. I think we've had uh, a great time on every interview so far. I just haven't, uh, had a, a moment that I could stand back and look at this, but you know, over the past, uh, week working with this 10th episode. I've been also listening to the other ones and it's, uh, it's great to see that, uh, that it's come together in this kind of compendium. The 10 episodes is a big deal. At least it is to me. So today on the program, I've got Peter Lev. He's a film professor of mine from Towson University. Uh, he is a is a guy that turned me on to uh, Wong Kar Wai, turned me on to Bertolucci for the most part, especially The Dreamers, that movie he did about uh, the French New Wave, or at least the era in uh, in France. Uh, great movie if you do uh, seek it out, The Dreamers. Uh, yeah, so, so when I started this podcast, I was thinking, you know, I'll get a couple episodes under my belt and then maybe I can get a, a film professor or someone that I really respect and, and uh, it has inspired me to, to be on the show, you know, someone that uh, I know knows a lot of, of the, knows their shit, you know, knows the, a lot about the uh, the topics at hand, uh, the movies that we would talk about, and also someone who had uh, quite a storied life, and uh, look no for- further than uh, than Peter Lev. Peter Lev has uh, been teaching for 30 years, and it's taken him all over the country, and even uh, to trips uh, to France. Uh, he was in France during those uh, those uh, events that uh, are depicted in the Dreamers, so that's one reason that I bring that up. Uh, but yeah, I was so happy to have him on the program. I asked him, uh, no hesitation, the only uh, caveat he said would be to have Fernando Madrid on the program with us uh yeah that fernando madrigal that guy i've been trying to get away from him and he keeps finding ways to to adhere like velcro to this program no matter what i try to keep him at arm's length i try to lock him in a in a in a closet you know and, and lock the door and try to run away as far as i can from this kid 
And no matter what, now I've got guests re- requiring that his presence be there. So, no, no, no. He, uh, I'm sure uh, Peter Lev uh, asked uh, to to have Fernando on the podcast because he has great chemistry. He's a funny dude, and I'm so happy to, that he came in and uh, was able to uh, share co-hosting duties. So it was a nice uh, three-way conversation. And I think uh, with the three of us there, we've got we got more uh, more chemistry going, more uh, <laughs> funny stories, more reaction. You know, it's better than just uh, having someone uh, drone on. So it was definitely, you know, definitely an addition to uh, to the podcast. So I was so happy that he uh, could be a part of it, too. So, uh, real quick, I'm just going to say facebook.com slash debatable podcast. That's our uh, Facebook page. Go over there and like us. Uh, The Tumblr, debatable podcast dot tumblr dot com uh that's uh the main place i would say to go for updates um i i'm doing things that are not just solely for the the podcast i'm using it as a blog too so i blog entries on there uh in fact i've got recent stuff so you should go check it out um but yes it's a nice hub for streaming it has links to itunes for downloading uh and certainly check it out and and uh you know comment you know give me some feedback so Tumblr and Facebook. Also, one more note that I wanted to make before we jump right into the to the show today. Uh, Tom Syme, who was on the show last week, uh, was gracious enough to to let me borrow uh, mics for this uh, for this show. Um, I was coming up short. I didn't want to record a, a three way conversation just on my Zoom recorder. That that you know the main thing that I use to uh, to record uh, these podcasts. So he was uh, gracious enough to lend me uh, mics, cables, stands for this. And so thank you very much. He's been a a great uh, friend to the podcast podcast and and uh we've done a really good job at uh cooperating with each other and sharing music his music on the podcast and he's been great to share the podcast and and link it and talk about it with his uh his uh band and fans you know fans of his label the deep woods collective so yeah uh thank you very much tom and uh yeah let's get right into uh, the episode today i'm so happy this is uh, episode 10 so i hope you enjoy it Voilà que la chanson devient un vrai concours Musique de la centrale vient de suivre les cours Chant L'autoroute à présent devient remplie de gens Chant Tout ce qui paraît qu'à l'heure maintenant tout l'argent Moi je meurs Toi je meurs, hélas, enfin hélas, parce que je n'ai pas étudié. Vienna et Cuba, c'est un joli gimmick. Pays chemise à fleurs et tu deviens bifnick. Oh, okay, let's start with that. Peter Lev <laughs> doesn't think Kurosawa should be in the top ten of the Sight and Sound poll. <laughs> this is breaking my heart. <laughs> the first thing Greg came up to me like the day I was like, Kurosawa was not in it. I'm like, that's it's bull. Like you should be in there. And I'm just like, I mean, I can see why. I mean, I, I can see why, but 
you know, making some new blood, you know. I would say the biggest upset of the Sight and Sound poll this year was that Kurosawa was in the top ten. <laughs> well, you know, Ozu was in there. Yeah. <laughs> You're digging right can't in his get, heart without even no, knowing. No, can't get any better. No, no, Ozu is not. I mean, the Tokyo story is not my favorite Ozu, but I definitely think that Ozu ought to be in there. Yeah. What's your favorite Ozu? Um... Probably the last one, Autumn Afternoon. Okay. It's the color one. It's the one I know. But it's also just the whole range of Ozu. That, you know, some of these polls specifically said we only chose one film per filmmaker right. to give you the sense that we really are talking about whole careers. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and, right. You know, and this one didn't do that, mm-hmm. which means that there's actually less variety right. Can in you move the poll. Just a little closer? But, but I Thank think you. people Perfect. have... Um, People still have that in the back of their minds. Is there a filmmaker that I absolutely can't skip? Right. And then which film am I going to choose to represent that filmmaker's career? But do you think that like a top 10 greatest films ever with that kind of weight to it, that a top 10 should include the most influential filmmakers? Well, it, it really says best, right? Oh, okay. You know, I think I think it's you know for you. Which are the ten best movies? But I think people are always thinking, okay, who can who can I not skip? Yeah, right, right. I mean, you know, just for example, um, you know, the huge news of this one was um, Citizen Kane is not number one. Oh, right. big deal! Citizen Kane's number two. <laughs> right, right. For fifty right, right. years, it was uh, number one. I right? can remember when Battleship Potemkin won one of these polls, oh, which, would ne- which would never happen. Right, <laughs> right. Which would never happen these days. I think it was number eleven or something. This yeah, year. it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It the, was the first time out of the top. 10 I mean, or you know, my favorite Orson Welles film by far is Touch of Evil. Right. Oh, yeah. No, that's yeah, great. So, so it's you know, So if Touch of Evil, you know, if I, you know, was doing it, Touch of Evil would be in top ten, and Citizen Kane would probably be second. Then. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, to me, it's not a big deal that Citizen Kane is number two. That's a lot of the uh, sentiment from people I talked to about uh, Sight and Sound uh, poll this year was uh, that Kane is a little for them a little too uh, over, uh, you know, uh, overexposed a little right, too much right. uh, the, the movie that everybody points to. Right. Like 50 years on the throne, people have gotten a little bitter about <laughs> <Yeah>. it being <laughs> the best movie but, ever. And well, I think with these kind of things, like, it's like the top ten or, you know, it, the inclusion is the honor itself kind of thing, you know, like, those movies, could you can rearrange them in any order, and it's just the fact, like, okay, these were the ten that we're going to, so, so the fact that it's even in the top ten is just sort of a win in itself kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, when people ask me what's my favorite movie, I can't give them one movie. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, yeah, I can, I, I, I can I, maybe do half a dozen. Yeah. You know, I well, like the f- these, and maybe there's some more that I'm thinking right. of. You the know. funny thing is, is that off of this, Fernando, for his podcast, did one. I did yeah. one on, on, my, uh, on my Tumblr website, and... You you start compiling a list of the movies that you like, especially filmmakers, film students, film right, right. buffs, or whatever, and it's almost impossible to come up with the top ten for me. It took hours, <laughs> and even then, minutes. I was like, I there's so many others right. I could include on this, even in the top three, that I'm just like, I'm not sure about. No, I don't know. Like I have a fr- I have a favorite movie. It's Groundhog Day. Like I know somebody asked me, I'm like, it's Groundhog Day. Okay. I know it. Um, I, I've never been able to do that. I Never like, ever give that one. Well, right. see, you have a different scenario because that's like so informed by uh, autobi- autobiography. Right. You, no you, expectations going into it. Yeah, you, and you found it for yourself. That's right, also right, so right. it's almost like your movie. Right, like you know? my baby. It's my baby. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows about this movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. It, but it's also like, and I think it, and I think in a way it exemplifies what I like, like 
at, at this point, like, what I like about filmmaking, sort of, I know, like, I don't watch many foreigns, so I know I'm a Hollywood guy, and I know, like, I like simple stories, and I like, it doesn't need to be heavy-handed, it can be, like, you know, this little small, simple story with these little twists, and it's sort of sci-fi, and it's, and it's a love story, and it has just all these elements. And it has these le- levels to it. Like, if I just want to watch a dumb comedy, I can put that on. If I just want, if I want to watch something a little heady, that's still the put same it movie. Yeah, you still put it on. Yeah, so that's, I think that movie to me encapsulates everything that I like about movies. No, it's so, a but. really good movie. And, and you know, yeah. one of the things is um, probably when I was your age, we couldn't do this. We couldn't, you know, we couldn't, put, you know, like program our own movies. Right, so, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. we'd go to the theater, we'd see whatever was there. There might be a repertory theater or two. We'd have to watch whatever was on TV. Right. So, um, you know, this is huge. You could watch Groundhog Day five times yeah. a year and probably do. <laughs> no, I, I save it every year. Uh, you're invited next year. Uh, <laughs> he does have Groundhog yeah, Day yeah. Like, during I, marathons. I get people over to my house. It was really yeah. nice last year. You know, somebody didn't make it. <laughs> but like, you know, and after the movie, like, people, we started talking and it was just like, you know, yeah. screening and we had a little discussion about it. So it's great. Yeah, so I try to save it for that. Like, I don't watch it all the time. I'm like, I got February the first Saturday because it's because you know you don't want to do it like on a if Groundhog Day is on a Tuesday. So I always save it for the Saturday. Uh, it's before a the seasonal movie now. like the Christmas yeah. movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Him, you know, yeah. Christmas, New Year. It's his holiday movie. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it happens to be a great movie. So yeah. you know. and 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 also the moment is good because it gets you thinking about spring right yeah, yeah exactly and and with global warming spring is you know <laughs> yeah. creeping up on yeah, February yeah. Yeah. oh, oh Actually, get political yeah. I like it <laughs> so yeah. uh, so Peter what, what would you say in relation to that though do you feel like there's a certain criteria for what would be in your hypothetical top 10 list oh the criteria are probably just me and yeah. you know you know what you know what entertains you? Things that interest me, and yeah. you know, I, I'm both a Hollywood guy and a European guy. That right. you know, those right. two things are you know really part of uh, my whole history with film. Uh, you know, there was a film or two that I discovered uh, when I was 19 and I was a student in Paris that I hadn't heard of at all. Like right. one, one was. Uh, the Andalusian Dog. Oh, yeah. Right, right. You, you know that mm-hmm. film? Well, I had the perfect... That's eye-popping. <laughs> yeah. Eye-cutting. I, I, I had the perfect introduction to Andalusian Dog, which right. is that I walked into a theater. I had never I had never heard of Luis Buñuel, and I had never heard of that film. Right, right. And right, I yeah. sat in there, and I watched the, 30, the first 30 seconds, and I started laughing. Because <laughs> I, I didn't know that anybody could do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I had those kinds of experiences. And... And, and they're actually the best, and that's why when I show that film in class, I try not to introduce it at all. Yeah, right, yeah, said, yeah. You know, the less you know, the here's better. A, here's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was committed to yeah. celluloid at some yeah. point. Here's <laughs> a movie. It's called An Andalusian Dog. There's yeah. no dog in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember but, this but I don't yeah. tell them that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't tell yeah. them there's no so, dog. So I'm very, I'm very pleased. This is our 10th episode, and Peter Lev, professor from Towson University, is joining us, yeah. co-hosting duties. Mr. Fernando Magigal yeah. is showing up. Yeah, the Baba Booey. Through, requ- through the- request. Oh, through yeah, request. yeah. That was My Ed McMahon. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, way to go, Johnny. Did he even say that? No, uh, no, no. No, but, uh, yeah, I, I was uh, very interested in, in getting you on the uh, on the program. 
A, because knew you from Towson University, had classes with you, always respected your uh, your your point of view on things, your experiences. Whenever we we did talk uh, out of class, it was always uh, interesting. You kind of you kind of turned me on to Wong Kar Wai. In fact, that's it was uh, talking about Chungking Express in your class right. that got me on that. So yeah, it was uh, interesting getting someone that that was so influential in my college years to be on the podcast today. So I'm very happy that you uh, you made made a, made some time for us. Oh, well, this is great. I mean, yeah. you know, talk to some people after, you know, X number of years. <laughs> yeah. 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 We, I, had, I, hadn't, I haven't talked to you for at least uh, three yeah. or four years. I saw, yeah. I saw Lev at the, uh, there was a party a while back for one, another professor who was here for 40, uh, John McCarran, and mm-hmm. uh, Lev stopped by and I was like, oh, hey, Lev. Yeah, we caught up a little bit, but yeah, nice. nothing nothing too in-depth, so this is that was was about. that mainly ju- was that McCarran or was that mainly for WMJF? Uh, it was it was WMJF's twentieth, right. but that mm-hmm. coincided with McCarran's fortieth. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, it was I thought of, it was really for John. Yeah, 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 it really was. Yeah. yeah, for for John McCarran, and it was nice that a lot of people showed up. Yeah, that's great. And, a lot of former uh, students. Yeah, uh, forty years is almost unimaginable. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. How long, have, how long have you been doing it? This well, point? actually, I'm coming up on thirty. <laughs> yeah, he's very close. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna make forty. Oh, yet, you know? you gotta, no. Well, you know, I'll, I, you know, I hope I'm still alive. But, <laughs> but, but your focuses are. Uh, but I'm not gonna be teaching when we get to forty. Okay, I'm, all right. I'm, I'm taking it year to year at this point. Oh, okay, I'm, yeah. All right. Although I think my horizon's at least two years. Okay. And there's still some things that I want to do. Sure. Uh, well, you've done a lot with the university that we'll get into. We, did you grow up in this area? No. Um, I grew up in Cleveland, mm-hmm. so I, I'm not quite as far away as Matt. Sure, yeah. Matt Bainbridge did a, yeah. you know, uh, uh, did a podcast. With uh, Fernando. Uh, with, yeah, with, yeah, with, with Fernando and talked a lot about growing up in Detroit. So mm-hmm. I grew up in Cleveland. So the Browns. <laughs> the, the Browns were big, but, but at the moment I'm a Ravens fan and nice. an Orioles fan. There you go. I came nice. To, came to Baltimore in 1983, and they won the World Series that year. So that was oh, yeah. it. This is it locked it in. Yeah. It. They haven't won since. <laughs> they haven't won since, but I was completely hooked. What uh, was uh, what was growing up in Cleveland, Ohio like? Uh, I mean, at the time, it was fine. It was like a nice, homogeneous neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Walk to school. Was it, uh, uh, it, you know, it, was, it a, was it a suburb, or was it Cleveland actually Heights, a, a near city, suburb. Okay. You know, right. an equivalent of Towson. Oh, right. Okay. Nice, okay. nice, nice. So, so... Um, yeah, it was fine. The problem with Cleveland is that it's been losing jobs, you know, losing economic power right. since the 1970s. Right, right, right. So actually everybody in my generation, in my close family, has left. And It's part of the Rust Belt, know, right? Yeah, yeah, it's part of the Rust Belt. They used to have steel plants, They mm-hmm. do, you know, and, and like a lot of suppliers for the automotive uh, industry and stuff like that. Well, it's not too different moving from Cleveland to, to Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> same yeah. same I mean, situation. You know, they're, they're similar. You guys have the bay, or, you know, <laughs> we, we, we have the bay now. And, uh, you know, I grew up on Lake Erie, which at the time was very polluted. Mm-hmm. Nice. You know, more polluted than oh, anything yeah. in Baltimore. The Cuyahoga River. Where actually some of my family owned a, a plant that reprocessed oil. It burned. Oh, <laughs> oh man! It, it, actually, it actually caught on fire once from the chemicals. Oh, oh man! And that's a famous moment in Cleveland history. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're it's, directly it's, tied. It's, I believe it's supposed to be much better now. <laughs> uh, but like, I have two first cousins that grew up close to me in Cleveland that live here now. Mm-hmm. Okay, just, nice. Just by coincidence. Right. And uh, and growing up in Cleveland, like uh, was so, so your first memories of, of film and, and, and getting into that was it a lot of accessibility or, um, well, 
I would go occasionally with my parents, although they didn't take. They would take me to the you know occasional epics. Okay. My first memory is this is Cinerama, which is oh, yeah, really okay. interesting because I've written a lot about widescreen and mm-hmm. things right, like right. that. So I can t- I still remember that roller coaster which I saw when I was five or six. Right. It was okay. it was like a uh, was it like a, a trailer promotional thing for for Cinerama. What was it? Well, you know, This Is Cinerama was a feature film. Oh, okay. You know, that, that's, that was the first feature film in Cinerama. Mm-hmm. And it was shown in a great big theater with a huge curved screen. Oh, yeah. Ah, okay. nobody, it was the IMAX of its day, right? It was, yeah. the, it was the IMAX of its day <laughs> and, nobody, and, and stereo sound and mm-hmm. so on. Nobody okay. had ever experienced that. And most of it was like a travel log, aerial views and things like that. Right, right. But uh, okay. nobody had ever, you know, seen a point of view roller coaster ride. Oh, man. Oh, I can yeah, imagine. Okay. On, on an enormous screen. So mm-hmm. that was that was amazing. That's and I, you know, I you know that's probably my first memory. So that's your uh, that's your uh, train pulling into the train yeah. station, <laughs> yeah. watching yeah. the roller coaster yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. And then they would they took me to the Ten Commandments and, okay. and Exodus, some of the big films. The and then when I was twelve or thirteen, I started going with friends, and I can remember Psycho and the Birds okay. and the Thomas Crown Affair. Mm-hmm. Nice. And, and, you know, all those things are... We're I'm sorry, the Thomas Crown Affair came out in 1998. <laughs> I don't know what you're That was about. the remake. <laughs> <laughs> both, both films are good, but you're, yeah. you're, you're talking about the remake. I'm talking yeah. about Steve McQueen. McQueen, yeah. McQueen, yeah. yeah. Is that yeah, Norman Jewison? Shane? No, I don't... Is that Norman Jewison? Who directed it? Probably. I, I don't think so. I, yeah, I don't really remember. <sighs> so, For some reason, I think so, I know this, but I'll, um, Yeah. Yeah, so I was a moviegoer. I enjoyed it. There wasn't much to it. And then when I got to college, I fell in with some people that were, you know, really passionate, right. ins- okay. insanely passionate. This about is the film. Uh, early to mid sixties. This is like yeah, nineteen sixty six on. So yeah, so I got into it, and you know, we wanted to make films. We wanted to, you know, we certainly wanted to watch everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were probably most interested in the French stuff that was coming right. out, right, and, right, and Godard and Truffaut and. A blow up I saw more or less first run nice. and it's always been a big favorite of mine oh, yeah. um, it's a pretty amazing film and I also would go when I was in Cleveland there was one theater that showed um, something called Underground Cinema 12 nice. <laughs> which, was, which was mostly American independent stuff oh, okay. oh really uh, and it, it was you know you name it um, Stan Brackage mm-hmm. Jonas Mikas um, Ron Rice people like that I saw a film that was like three minutes long called uh, "Putting the Baby Back Babies Back Part Two, <laughs> <laughs> which, which which was a single shot of a man barking like a dog <laughs> <laughs> for like three minutes. You know? Oh man! And I happened to really like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. The the filmmaker was a a man named uh, Neil White. And when I got to Los Angeles, just by coincidence, his younger brother, Rush Wife, became a really close friend. <laughs> nice. So, nice. so uh, I'm probably the only person, the only family friend who's ever seen that film. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> no, it's, it's just like, like, just thinking about that, like what it is and then the title, you know, like they thought of it and, and it's <laughs> very think, like, yeah. you know, is there a part one? Like, where's <laughs> the babe? Like, it's, it's, like, it's like Hot Sauce Committee Part 2. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what yeah. it is. It's, it's like Leonard Part 6. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. yeah there, I mean, evidently there was 
of part one, but it never never made it out of <laughs> yeah. the editing yeah, stage. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, so let's I just go straight yeah. to part two. You know what? Won't that confuse people? No, no. It's the same I'm going to get part one done eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're still waiting on part one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be dropped on the 50th Ooh, anniversary. So. Idea. <laughs> so I, I showed part two here once. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So what was the, um, did you always have kind of the sense of humor that of the type of movies that you were uh, interested in or was it influenced by the group that you fell in with in, in high school and college? Uh, I think it had a lot to do with the people I was with in college, mm-hmm. and um, and also I just I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Okay. okay. So so you know, my dad uh, was very very quiet and left me alone. Okay. I mean, once or twice he told me that he thought I should be a lawyer. Oh yeah. Okay. You know, because <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I was pretty smart and I could write. Mm-hmm. Um, but he pretty much left me left me alone, and I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. And I said, okay, I'm going to start. You know. I'm going to study music and art and film and all that stuff, um, and then eventually I'll get more serious, in college, <laughs> right, and I'll start studying um, um, economics and law and stuff like Did that. Well, I never it? got to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously, <laughs> I never got to. Well, I, I mean, I, you know, I did. Yeah. I did really well in what I was doing, and and I. Uh, you know, I just continued. Where did you go to co- college? Out I there? went to college, Wesleyan University in oh, Connecticut. Okay, nice. At the time, they had a lot of money. Uh, they had sold some. There was a uh, magazine. Well, it was a newspaper called My Weekly Reader that mm-hmm. was distributed okay. in millions and millions of um, elementary schools. Uh-huh. Okay. And they sold that to Xerox Corporation. Wow, Ooh, nice. They, you know, they they owned it. Wow. And they, they sold it for millions and millions of dollars to Xerox. Co- uh, and then they plowed all that money back into the mm-hmm. academic side nice. of the university. Oh, that's so. the way it should be. That's I mean, yeah, Wesleyan yeah. is still still pretty good school. Yeah, yeah. it's still it's still it's yeah. still a good school. And the other thing that happened was uh, it, it was traditional. Well, it was a boys' school, which I didn't like. Oh. It's, no, it, it's no longer true. Sure. Went coed when I was a at senior. that age. Oh. Oh. So, hey, those freshman <laughs> girls, am I right, Lev? Yeah, so I missed a lot. <laughs> But um, so uh, the other thing that happened is that it was traditionally for like East Coast prep school boys, right. and they had this kind of theory of the well-rounded student that they wanted to play sports and did clubs and did all those things. And it was actually a lot of stuff that in new languages, and it right. really worked best if you went to a boarding school, right, 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 and and you were expected to do all that stuff. And then the year before I got there. Uh, the director of missions, you know, changed the whole profile. Oh, right. Okay. And he said, you know, we want much more diversity. We'll take people that have one talent and that aren't so good somewhere else. Right. Um, well, what, what, where did you? What was the kind of economic status of, of your family? Uh, coming, uh, it's a, coming it's a middle class family. My my dad. Um, well, he wanted to be a, a sports writer, actually. Oh, nice. He went to University of Michigan, um, first one in his family to go to college, or to graduate college. My grandfather went and didn't graduate. Okay. Um, so he went to University of Michigan, wanted to be a sports writer, and then he had two problems when he got out of school. Uh, one was there were no Jewish sports writers, mm-hmm. uh, okay. and the second one was that um, his dad still a young man was sick and, and needed help in the business that um, the family business for two generations was a wholesale company that sold toys and school supplies right so my dad and his younger brother um, 
took over this business, mm. uh, which, you know, which paid all right, but my dad hated it. Right, right, right. So, yeah. you know, there was a good living. He was able to send kids to private colleges, but he was very unhappy. Right. Uh, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of your work now has to do with writing, so it's sort of like you, you can see where that came from mm -hmm. kind of thing. It's, it's always, always interesting. Yeah, well... Um, my generation is just much more fortunate. We were right. able to pretty much do what we want. You know, right, right. My dad went to college, and then he had to go into the family business. Right. And his younger brother, who was his partner in the family business, five years younger, he was valedictorian of his high school, wow. had a scholarship to college, and his dad said, no, no, oh. we need you. Oh, man. So he stopped at high school. Oh, man. oh wow. So uh, it was tough. Um, business doesn't exist anymore because... Um, with Toys R Us and you know, oh, okay, KB and not, and you know, not to mention Amazon. Sure, there's no room for you know this. this you know, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, just this I mean, middleman. I mean, sure, Borders uh, had problems with its management, but certainly brick and mortar stores right. are, were probably yeah. Well, even before that, I love the internet. Just, <laughs> just to say that, you know, you know, even before that, you know. Um, you didn't have little merchants selling this stuff anymore. You have staples. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know that that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, we gave our family a really nice head start, you know, middle class um, existence, um, and he, you know. Didn't complain much was there about sending the kids to expensive colleges. I mean, you know, <laughs> so generally speaking, he thought that was a good idea. So right. there was always an expectation you were going to go to college. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people in my family are, are professionals, and I mean, in fact, this this is ridiculous, but I have two siblings, a younger sister and a younger brother. We're all PhDs. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that's, you know, wow. very unusual. My sister's a PhD in chemistry, and she she's mostly wow. been a housewife. Okay. Wow. You know, she's taught chemistry. She's had this or that job, mm -hmm. but she hasn't really made a career out of it. And my brother... Strangely enough, for growing up in a suburb, is professor of agricultural <laughs> economics at <laughs> uh, Oregon State right. University and, and doing very well. So when you guys do right. education, you yeah, do yeah. it to the hilt. It's <laughs> yeah. just a thought of methamphetamine. <laughs> yeah, I she, have this educational program she can watch. It's called Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the uh, what was the trajectory when you went to, to college? You finished at Wesleyan, or did you go somewhere else? I finished at Wesleyan, uh, and after those four years, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Was there was there like a sister school? Because usually, if there's an all boys school, there's a well. The closest school. one was Connecticut College, which was about 40 minutes okay i mean there there was a strange tradition that you probably you may or may not have experienced probably not where uh you get together for a mixer All right with the, okay. with, the, with the girl school okay and it's very yeah. comfortable oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless unless you knew somebody expectation nervousness yeah gazing yeah it was a it was a very uncomfortable experience yeah. and sometimes we would also go to you know Sometimes, you know, they would actually bring in busloads of oh, yeah. to us. Right. Yeah. But sometimes we would also go off somewhere. You know, okay. And, and, and when I did, it was more often in private cars than, you sure. know, than on, a, on this sort of mm -hmm. sure. cattle call sure. bus. <laughs> I don't like it. Seedy cars. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think it's really good that that tradition is basically gone. And there used to be yeah. theories about why single-sex education was better. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I still see that was, a little bit. I mean, there was more argument for girls right was it religious at all or no, no. Well, well, well 
Wesley, and of course John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist Church, and, right. and it, years and years before there was a religious component to component it. To mm-hmm. it. But when I was there, no, okay, okay. it was it was secular. I mean, if you wanted to go to the church service on Sunday, it was Methodist. But that was all. Okay. So is it is it kind of like a uh, was it a, a Kinsey read on th- this sex will develop better if they are among their own? Well, I thought the, the I think the idea was that there would be less distraction. But ah, right, I think right, the distraction okay. is still there. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's just it's the, more frustrating. Yeah, the, yeah the, the fulfillment is not. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, but, but the distraction is still there. And then there was, I mean, there there was an argument that girls' schools were better single sex because. Um, the theory was that boys are too competitive. Ah, I see. Yeah, I see, I see. I mean, right yeah. now, right now, yeah, the women—that's what they were going after. <laughs> right now, the women are out-competing the men yeah, yeah. In, in higher education. Oh, yeah. That I mean, they're enrolled in profession and the professional yeah. work environments. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I, I don't, you know, there I think it's more of a it's more of a battle. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, that was not very good. And so then I had no idea what I wanted to do after college. I I stayed for a couple months around the campus. Was, was it a film degree that you got? It was a humanities degree. Okay. And senior year, I did a lot of film stuff. I even taught a, f- a film production course. Wow, nice. As a senior nice. senior year, because there was nobody around who knew how to do it. Okay. So, like a, a woman who taught French literature, I said, I think, you know, she put her name on it, and I taught the course. Oh, oh nice. And so, that was it, so she sponsored it? Yeah. Was, was it, uh, like, using a 16-millimeter camera? Well, a Super 8. Oh, right. So oh, okay. A Super nice. 8 was what we had. Because, you know, there was there was no infrastructure. Right? Oh, right. yeah. So, you know, so no sound. It was the Wild West. Yeah. Well... I mean, we played around with sound. It was okay. even it was even possible to sync sound on Super 8, but not really right. um, not consistent professional. Right, uh, and a lot of stuff that was done was silent. So, I took a year off, couldn't figure out what I wanted to do, and eventually I figured I was going to go to film school. Okay. So I, um, I never liked New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I yes. appl- <laughs> I applied Take to that New York. Uh, UCLA mm-hmm. and USC. Okay. And I got into both, and. Um, USC was much more expensive, so mm-hmm. that was a you know that was a factor. Right, right. And UCLA, USC was also very, very professionally oriented. I mean, it was really made to set up to, you know, get you ready to work in right. the studios. Yeah. Even though lots of students didn't, you know, right, right, didn't. Right. Uh, UCLA was much more sort of you know bigger net. Uh, you know, more interested for an independent documentary, television, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I liked that better. Went to UCLA, and that was great. I mean, I loved being a graduate student. I loved it so long that I, I stayed there for nine years, which is really oh, a long nice. time. <laughs> this was this was in the late 60s? This was yeah. in the early 70s. Okay. So, so at this point, what wasn't the, the Hollywood system, you know, how did, how did USC funnel people in? Was it still very much the old method that they were still... Well, they they were trying, you know, to go by. Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, Lucas had just been through there, and oh, know, I see, I see. So it was that you know, Lucas and Milius and people like that had mm-hmm. been through there, and the most famous recent alum from UCLA was Francis Coppola. Oh yeah. Okay. So what do you, you do? Know, so, <laughs> yeah. What do you do? So you know, so so people were were trying to emulate that. I see. Uh, and there were a lot of people from Asia and and some from Europe. Was it a diverse? Over. Was it a diverse program? Were there a lot of different types of people in? Oh yeah. Program at UCLA? Oh yeah. UCLA? Absolutely. And and I mean, when I was there, there was a group of African American students who were terrific filmmakers. 
now known as the L.A. Revolution. Oh, oh okay. boy. If, if, nice. You know, if you know your history books. And um, Charles Burnett, who's a great filmmaker. Okay, yeah, yeah. He, I never met him. He was just before me. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was there, probably the best filmmaker in the place was, was uh, Haile Garima. Uh -huh. who, who's been a professor at Howard University for decades. Mm -hmm. HBCU. <laughs> Born in Ethiopia, but lived in the United States, you know, certainly since his college years. Brilliant guy, you know, fiery, outspoken, very political. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, makes Fernando, you know, seem <laughs> quiet. <laughs> oh, so yeah. so there, was a, there, was, there was a wonderful <laughs> moment um, within my first couple of years at school there. Um, everything was, you know, it was the 70s, it was, right. you know, the anti-war movement was really important. Sure. Right, right. Um, so, um, Don Siegel, oh, fam uh, famous okay. Hollywood director, mm -hmm. comes to campus with, I don't know, some kind of pretty mediocre film, just, just a sort of standard Hollywood programmer. Yeah. So, question of answer, period afterward, highly raises his hand, and he, what's his question? Why did you make this piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> and, nice. and you know, it was embarrassing uh, <laughs> at at the time, and the film wasn't so bad to to merit. It. <laughs> but on the other hand, he was the best filmmaker in the place, uh -huh. so he could say that. Uh -huh. Right, right. Uh, I mean, I I couldn't you know I couldn't say I <laughs> see myself doing that, uh, but that but that was the period, yeah. and uh, you know we we were I don't know we were pretty arrogant we we thought that we knew more than our professors it was, right, it was right. a, oh yeah, yeah sure it was yeah, a yeah. you know it was a strange time mm -hmm. with uh, with him being down at Howard do you have you guys ever interacted with I him haven't seen there? him I you know I've, I've I've watched his stuff okay. you know he's he's made quite a few films mm -hmm. um, he even he even was here once oh, okay he even brought a film uh, a film here once and I I think I might have helped get him here okay um, but I haven't interacted with him there was one I there was one class I took. I have no idea what the title of it was. It was taught by the one African-American professor there. Okay. And that was an interesting class because I was the minority. <laughs> there you go. I was the yeah. minority, and it, it, it actually did feel different. Right, right. Uh, the professor, through the whole semester, the professor could not pronounce my last name. <laughs> Love. <laughs> you told me leave for the whole for, for the Maybe whole he's putting you in your yeah. place. Maybe he was trying to tell you something like, for the hey, whole leave. <laughs> There's the door, leave. You know, for the whole semester, but it was actually a good class. and it was right. I mean, it was a good class mainly because of the, the students that were there. Right. And, you know, some of the people that were in the class. There's a guy named Larry Clark, a very good filmmaker. Oh, I've heard of him. Um, there are two Larry Clarks. Oh, so not that one. No, not that Larry Clark. <laughs> not kids Larry Clark. Okay. The, the, not, no, not, not him. Okay. This, this guy teaches at, or teaches in San Francisco. There's okay. a guy named Jama Fanaka. You know him? Mm -hmm. Penitentiary yeah. 1, 2, and 3. Oh, oh really? I know nice. this one. He, yeah. he, he was the one who really wanted to be a commercial filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And okay. he did achieve it. I mean, penitentiary yeah. 1, 2, and 3, yeah. Yeah, he, you know, he, he did <laughs> the achieve trilogy, it. trilogy, as I like to call it. He was just a fun-loving guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, a, a great guy. So, um, just the resources that we had at UCLA and how easy it was to live was was absolutely great. Tuition was two hundred twenty one dollars per quarter. Okay. Now it's got to be ten twelve thousand. Yeah. Damn. Oh. A quarter. You know, just a completely different mm -hmm. situation. Right. So you could work part time and put yourself through school, and you could afford an apartment. You'd have to share. 
Um, and the resources of the school were fantastic. Uh, um, a couple friends and I started the first student-sponsored um, sort of special guest film series okay. there. So, you know, we, we did some incredible things. We had Paul Schrader in to talk oh, about right. Taxi Driver. Oh, nice. And I can still remember, I had to go to MGM and pick up the, the film, the, the print, the, print, the yeah. 35 millimeter wow. print, which probably weighed 50 or 60 pounds, <laughs> yeah. which was, you know, which was a hassle for me. Yeah. And the, the print was pristine. I think it had never been showed anywhere. Whoa. So there wasn't a scratch on it. I mean, oh. that was just amazing. Mm. Um, what else did we do? Bob Rafelson came to show mm -hmm. one of his movies. Uh, big, big name in we, the 70s. We, we invented uh, some kind of special achievement award and we gave the first annual UCLA <laughs> Special <laughs> Achievement Award uh, to Vincent Minnelli. Okay. So, in my two-door car, <laughs> um, beat-up two-door car. Was um, it a Pinto? Uh, it, was a, it was a Plymouth Scamp or something. Was it? <laughs> It was the equivalent of a Dodge Dart. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. But with the Plymouth name the Plymouth on it. Okay. Scam. I, I I went out to pick up Vincent Minnelli. Wow. <laughs> at his mansion in Beverly Hills. Yeah. <laughs> and he was kind of a guest. <laughs> the car's here. He, he, he what this car? one? He had to squeeze into the back seat. <laughs> he was very nice about uh, it. Uh, and he was with the um lady friend he must have been about 70 years old he wasn't uh, he wasn't married at the time but there was okay. a mrs anderson that he was uh you know he would go do things with socially mm -hmm. i mean i'm i'm 99 sure he was gay i mean i mean he you know he definitely was right right but he was also married to you know a couple mm -hmm. times yeah. okay so, uh but anyway different was, time too anyway he was great you know he he you know he were he really was fantastic he got a huge thrill out of you know, being with a college audience that, you know, gave him this roaring standing ovation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, it was a fantastic thing. What was the atmosphere uh, in college life in, in, USL, in UCLA? Was it, uh, you know, you, you talk about the, the liberalized uh, years that you were there and everything, so I'm sure that there was a lot of uh, diversity, but what was your life? Was it all film all the time for you? What was it like outside of school, outside of classes? Well, I mean, I, I really like Los Angeles. I right. mean, it, you know, it can it can be miserable with traffic and you know people living hours away from right. yeah uh, from yeah, anything and smog. But UCLA's on the west side of town, which is you know near the beach, cooler, better air quality. All those things. So we could live you mean a cooler temperature wise. Cooler temperature. No, cooler people. <laughs> trans, oh, cooler traffic. <laughs> The west side is really the west side of LA is really a nice place to live, and we could afford apartment living. Three of us shared a two-bedroom apartment, mm -hmm. and nice. actually that worked out great because I think we had that arrangement for two years, and after six months, one of the three of us um, moved in with his girlfriend, okay, and still paid the rent. Oh, oh nice. nice! That's <laughs> nice. Out. Yeah, so we better know, man than because I. he felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's because what his parents wanted. Ah, uh, so, okay. So, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah. So you know, living was great. The beach was very close, mm -hmm. and and there's this whole sort of California atmosphere that's very different from the East Coast, which is that uh, 
even people that work incredibly hard always seem to be relaxed and not having a care right. in the world and right. you know yeah. take long lunches right. and you know well especially in new york everything seems to be antsy yeah. like i need fast yeah. moving and i got yeah. to get to the next thing it's yeah. the winter yeah in la or in san francisco or uh, palo alto even if you're you know incredibly hard working and you have an ulcer you still seem to be oh, you yeah, know right. tanned and relaxed <laughs> yeah yeah and, and casual and 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 no yeah. care in the world so you know i found that um very congenial mm-hmm. um and i know a lot of people don't like la they find it you know too commercial right a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Fakery. I think I've heard the criticism of uh, of people that are out there. They're either trendy or they're trying to be something that they're not. Or people come from you know out of town, and so they're I think that's being the, the LA thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, we all come from out of town. It's true. Yeah. We all come from out of town. A whole lot of people come from out of town, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I mean DC is like that too. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. yeah definitely. I mean, there are just waves of people that come in from international DC. too, and then mm-hmm. international city too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, um, no, the outside of class was great. I mean, if I was tremendously career-oriented, I, I would have gotten out of graduate school much much more quickly. <laughs> oh. I, I had a friend uh, named Sylvia Harvey who was British, and she, you know, she, did, she came from a modest background, mm-hmm. and she had a scholarship to go to graduate school at UCLA. Mm-hmm. And... I think she started at the same time as I did. It took her two and a half years to get a, a master's degree and a PhD. Wow. And it wow. took me nine. Wow. <laughs> Partly because when I was going for the PhD, I was I was working a lot. Okay. I was I was teaching and I was doing other jobs. She just was you know, focused on it. Yeah. I had this grant. It it's it's finite. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to push like hell and I'm going to get out of here. And she did it. Um, so. Put in those nine years, which I enjoyed. I got married in those nine years, mm-hmm. okay. which was. Did really you meet nice. her at met, college? Yeah, I met my wife in the basement of the UCLA library. <laughs> so it's kind of what a, was she doing? What of, were you kind doing? Of, <laughs> kind of an academic romance. <laughs> That's um, great. I was working as a researcher for an author named Charles Hyam. I was actually doing film history as a researcher. Oh, okay, nice. I was working on a book on Warner Brothers oh, for nice, him, nice. and then, you know, I, I'm. Don't remember if I was getting paid hourly or weekly, but you know I got paid something, mm. and uh, there was a hell of a lot of work, and I was there six or seven days a week, wow. and she was working in the um, microfilm area where I was every single day, and she was by far the nicest person there. Oh, yeah. So finally I asked her out. There you go. Nice. She accepted. Yeah. yeah. And she accepted him. And, and you know, we're, we're still together. We are. <laughs> That's great. I was just going to say that, but not... <laughs> not in that way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not in quite that way. Not fine, in quite uh, that fine. way. It's a living color skit. Like a, it's an old married, bickering couple. That yeah, yeah. They just always go, we are still together. <laughs> I've just been looking at some of the some of the in living carry stuff. In, in living in, color? In, in living color. No, it yeah. might as well be called in living yeah. carry. Oh, well, no, I was getting ahead of myself because yeah. I was looking at skits with Jim Carrey. Right, yeah, right. right. Yeah, yeah. Not that was a great show. Yeah. I remember watching that. Uh, I guess we were elementary school, junior yeah, high. Yeah, elementary school, yeah. Oh, For man. Me. I used yeah. to stay up late and watch that. My yeah. dad wouldn't know. Late? It's like at 8. Oh, the, well, they, eight. when the they reruns. started doing the reruns yeah, also, yeah. like on Fox or whatever. Yeah, right? first run. It was just like, it was just so much different than anything sure. else that was on sure. TV kind of thing. And yeah. just 
hilarious and yeah. the people that came through there. It's so. still funnier than yeah. Mad TV. <laughs> it is. Hands down. Yeah, Yeah, well, Fox had to do something different. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, they really were... Um, you know, trying to trying to break through what mm-hmm. they're trying to do was almost impossible. Right. A lot of people around the country had to watch them on uh, UHF. Right. Yeah, you know, way up the dial. Yeah, and so they had In Living Color. They yeah. had The Simpsons. They had Married yeah. with Children. Yeah, yeah. you guys seen that's much a, of Married with Children. Yeah. that's a pretty crude. In yeah. It is. Show. It is. Yeah, yeah. And if you think about the time period too, I remember um, at least in my community people were like oh yeah you watch the cosby show you know right, right, you right. watch something very nice and pleasant yeah, yeah, yeah. do not watch and yeah, no, but yeah breaking like, uh, down both uh you know living color i mean i had living color a man with children mm-hmm. and, and simpsons were sort of a response to the sort yeah. of wholesome well that's what fox um, was about yeah fox stuff, was going right. against the grain on yeah. that yeah i think simpsons actually was programmed against the cosby show at one yeah, yeah i think so yeah, nope. yeah yeah so you had a choice yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah you could have bet yeah <laughs> you know you're nice to, america i was trying to bring down the black man yeah you don't need to see that watch these yellow kids <laughs> so you know so people you know people were having to choose well right. i mean everybody liked bill cosby but yeah you know it's the sweaters the sweaters that threw yeah, people yeah if you want if you wanted to be a little edgy you yeah. could you right. know you you could do the other thing. Yeah, uh, I meant to ask uh, since we were talking about the sight and sound poll, and now we're getting into TV. Like, what attracts you to the things that you that you watch? Is there is it anything and everything? You have a very eclectic taste, right. or what is it that like zooms you into watching a particular movie or TV show? Well, I have a pretty eclectic taste. Mm-hmm. I have three or four or five different kinds of things that I like. The 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 one area where I have some problem with and. Sometimes with students, it gets to be a difficulty. There are only certain kinds of horror movies I like. Okay, okay. I can't have a constant diet of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm not. A, I'm not a big horror fan. Yeah, there's either. some. You know, there's sort of there, catch like the big ones. Yeah, yeah, there's some. There's some that I can handle, and a lot of them that I really want to leave alone. Right. Yeah, right. But other than that, is that is that because of what? What is that? What is? Just because of my emotional response. I oh, think, okay. You know, okay. I mean, maybe I take it. You know, too. Too personal. Too much. Yeah. Yeah. It, Has it always been like that? Or is it just yeah, it's sort always. Of with, okay. it, it, it's always been like that. Right. I mean, I'm I'm fine with. Well, Alien's one of my favorite films. Mm, there you go. Right. Okay, I'm fine with that. But like something like uh, The Exorcist. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you to, reacting to gore and stuff like that uh, and grossness? Yeah, it, not necessarily. Maybe just the certain kinds of suspense kinds of things. Yeah. But any you know, comedy, drama, adventure, um, you know, all that stuff. Uh, I'm fine with right. and when I was younger I was most interested in um, European films the the work I did in graduate school was on French New Wave and other kinds of French films and then at some point um, I got more interested in Hollywood kinds of things and so the, the, what I'm writing about these days is Hollywood but what I'm watching is really both Right, right. what I'm watching is really both and sometimes I get um, you know I get more in a time warp because I'm, you know, when I'm watching 200 old movies from 20th sure. Century Fox, I don't have too much time yeah. to be watching the new stuff. Right, right, right. right, um, right. There's some people that teach film that really feel that they need to watch everything new that comes mm-hmm. out. It's right, not right. like Matt was like that. Matt yeah. Bainbridge was like that. Yeah. Sounded yeah. like, you know, anything that had been in the theater, right. he, he had <laughs> yeah. seen. Yeah. And and when I was younger, it's true, I was going to the movies maybe twice a week. Mm-hmm. When I when I lived in L.A., it's probably another reason why it took me so long. Right, yeah. I was going to the movies. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. I was going to the movies two or three times I mean, a week. I mean, early 70s, you know, mid-70s, good stuff a, out there. The yeah, perfect it was, time. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a great time. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I remember seeing Nashville in a theater. That's and, great. And, you right, know, right, stuff right. like that. And, mm-hmm. um 
Tommy I didn't particularly like, but it was pretty amazing to see it in a theater. It's amazing. There's there's some other Ken Russells that were kind of overwhelming in a theater that I did like. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so, um, so, so these days, like when you're seeking out movies, do you do you find yourself going sort of back to movies you've seen already, or do you see yourself like so? So you don't, uh, or do you see yourself seeking out newer stuff or 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 older stuff that you haven't seen yet? A lot of it's stuff that I haven't seen. Okay. I mean, I just been reading a I'm supposed to review a book about um, sort of narrative weirdness in Hollywood in the 70s you okay. know, just you know how the narratives are different and they they sort of um, frustrate the audience right okay. it's so there's a chapter on Godfather 2 right well, I saw Godfather 2 in the 70s mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so you know yeah. I, I I had to look at Godfather 2 mm -hmm. okay and and it was really enjoyable that's interesting. Like yeah. I, I even uh, so is basically talking about kind of not being afraid to let down the audience or be afraid to fulfill their expectation or whatever. How, how, how do you mean narrative weirdness? Well, I, there are so many loose ends in Godfather too. Oh, yeah. There are so many uh, things okay. that just aren't explained. Oh yeah, yeah, right. And okay. and, and that seem inconsistent. Right. And, you know. Um, you know, typical crime mystery type thing will explain to you who killed who right, and right. why. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 and exactly. Godfather too, this major, major yeah. film skips a lot of yeah. that. Who like, killed Pentangeli or someone? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whether it's you know Frankie Pentangeli mm -hmm. or oh, the spoilers, guys. Spoilers. Uh, sorry. <laughs> or or, or um, you know whatever whatever the Jewish gangster's name is. The, yeah, Hyman Roth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hyman Roth, mm -hmm. uh, based on Mayor Lansky. Yep. I assume. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean. There's a lot, you know. There's some stuff about their relationship that's right. completely unresolved. Right. Right. You know, were they together? Yeah. You know, uh, were they not together? Yeah. Who did what? It's not explicitly told. Yeah. Well, it's it's complete. It's left completely confused. Yeah. And and the uh, you know the point that this writer makes is that part of what he was actually trying to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's trying to leave leave all that unresolved. Yeah. And you still get the big lines of the story. Right, right. Um, but that's pretty weird yeah. for a well-respected, yeah. you know, for big, a major, you know, Oscar-winning mm -hmm. movie. Right, right. Yeah, uh, and it did make it to the best fifty, sighting <laughs> some. <best 50. laughs> yeah. Although down pretty low. Yeah, like thirty-one yeah. or right. something like I think, that. Uh, yeah. I think. But they were saying with this time is like in previous years they had bunched the one and two together, and this year you had to you had to pick one or either put both of them on separately so like because i think last time they both came mm -hmm. in like at nine or something mm -hmm. but it was they were getting both mm -hmm. both for both kind yeah of thing. i actually think one is better okay admission there's parts of this part the second one oh, okay i mean i've seen one like i saw one in like a film class once so I, and I think I went back and watched it, but I haven't seen it. I think the favoritism between those two movies um, is kind of like Beatles, Rolling Stones, <laughs> because okay. you get two types of people that come in and they they really uh, react well to that to to the first Godfather. It's first the first is the best right, type right. of theory, but it's also got it's got a great story. Marlon Brando's great in it. Right. But then you also get people that have gotten used to being let down in sequels and and especially epics and whatever and 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 epic movies that do that kind of going to the past right. and and putting that together and I mean I've I've heard so many that that Coppola did like 
dozens of cuts before it got to what we see now because it wasn't working with all the De Niro part, the right. the, the the flashback. Right. But I feel I'm 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 in the in the latter group. I I like the second one more, but I think that has a lot to do with the the monster that. Corleone, Michael right. becomes, you know. Right. I, I really and I thought the third one was pretty good. The third one really didn't get much attention. Right, right. right. I think the third one's, you know, dealt with that kind of backlash because of Sofia Coppola yeah. and. Uh, and so now they're making the third. It was so perfect. The expectation. Kind of yeah. I remember the expectation, especially with with people I know, people in my family, is that you know I think their expectations could have never been met. Right. <laughs> what <laughs> is exactly. it? Uh, yeah. What is it? Uh, Fifteen years later, when it came out. Something. Nine, yeah, yeah, yeah. ninety something. 90, yeah. yeah, and it's uh, if he had just named it like, hey, I'm just, like if Coppola was just doing another <laughs> gangster, another gangster movie, movie. Movie. Like, he's, not, he's not making Godfather three, yeah. just making this gangster this movie with the older Pacino. Yeah, yeah, this is a uh, Mitch. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a real. Yeah, it's a great series, and, and oh, yeah. the the critical reception of Godfather two is really interesting, mm-hmm. which I didn't I didn't remember this, right, but mm-hmm. when it first came out. Everybody was disappointed. Yeah, right. The critics were disappointed. What is this? It's incoherent. Mm-hmm. Where's Marlon Brando? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he died in the first one. <laughs> you know what? You know what? What? What's going on with right. this movie? And and then like a year later, they said, "Hey, this is pretty good." Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I mean, God, yeah, yeah. With uh, with the amount of uh, juxtaposition that they do between young uh, Vito Corleone right. and Michael Corleone, yeah, that movie has a lot to say. And the arc, like right. you said, of the trilogy is it's great i love it i love it nah, it's no penitentiary <laughs> one two three <laughs> have you seen those no he's just gonna come just like nah i've heard have i seen i think i've I might seen have, penitentiary one i, I think i might have like caught it like oh. and, it, and in my head i think i might have caught it like in dominican republic one summer when i was like <laughs> 10 or 14 it's not or something sure one two and three well, you know, <laughs> it's when, different when, when, when i was in ucla everybody wanted to be the great you know, film the great American filmmaker. Right, right. Uh, you know the great. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> they still do that. The, yeah, great, yeah. The, the, the great artist, and every once in a while there was you know some oddball. Yeah, yeah. You know, with within the context, it said, "Wait a minute, I want to make a lot of money." Yeah, yeah. right. And, and you know, this guy, you know, Jamal Fanaka, who was a really nice guy, said, "Hey, I want to make mm. money, so you know, I'm going to make kind of an exploitation mm-hmm. movie, right, about, right. you know, violence in prisons, yeah. and we'll see what happens." Yeah. Uh, there you go. He, he did great. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. That's uh, that's the uh, constant well, argument: yeah, art or money. It's it's kind of the thing that um, we, I remember criticizing a lot when we would be in in classes here, and and we even did experimental movies. We did one experimental movie that dealt with the type of student you get at at Towson University in our time period, and how every single one either wanted to do a Kevin Smith movie, yeah. very heavy dialogue, yeah. uh, comedy, raunchy comedy. Right. Tarantino, Tarantino, you had to do Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction, right, so right. play with time and space and all that. Yeah. Or you wanted to do The Matrix, I felt like. Those were the three big okay. ones. Yeah. Now it's zombies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Every student filmmaker has a zombie movie. <laughs> uh, I believe it. You know, has yeah. a zombie script in the yeah. door. <laughs> not vampires, that, not a big so tiring. <laughs> yeah. It, that's interesting. How, I mean, every, you know, every generation is different. How the culture changes. Okay. Do you... Do you get a lot of 
uh, input uh do you, do you talk a lot with with students and and find out like is is zombies the main thing are there other things that they they're not doing rom-coms, right? right. <laughs> what, what is well, it? Maybe, is there know, in- maybe, maybe the you know the ladies are. Yeah, yeah exactly. I yeah. mean, actually, the the best film that I saw at our film festival in the spring yeah. um, um, was, was a lesbian rom-com. Oh, okay, know. nice. I've never seen one of those before. Sure. Not not I mean not here. I have. Seen <laughs> <them>. <laughs> I have. I, I have seen them, but not here. Just in life. Just in general. It was actually. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it was actually uh, um, I mean, the young woman who was the star of the movie was, uh, you know, she wasn't over her ex, and she was sort uh, of. Um, um, she was spying on her ex, who was in a relationship with a man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And and they were playing around with time, and you know, and, nice. and, and so on and so forth. But it was, it was exceptionally well done. Right, right. Nice. Uh, I mean, it's one of the interesting things that uh, I see as as a teacher that uh, uh, what the women want want to see in film, or you know. And want to want to do as filmmakers is, right. is often different from what yeah. the men want to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, not a hundred percent. Right. Uh, you know, Catherine Bigelow. I mean, she. Right. You know, sure. Yeah. She. You know, she can make a war film mm-hmm. as good as any man. Right. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, yeah, there there generally are different expectations. Yeah. Right. And and one of the problems that, well, interesting problems that I have with the EMF is that. Um, Unlike most of the university, it's mostly male. Oh yeah, all oh, right. Yeah, that's it's that's mostly male. Yeah. It has a male sensibility. Yeah, right. And a lot of guns. A lot of when when, talk, when I when action. I see a class that has, um, you know, twenty two males and three females in it. Yeah, I sort of groan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what you're I, getting. I really, I really, I really like fifty fifty. Right. Numbers. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, once I was invited to give a talk about film music to an honors college class on popular music taught by a woman, mm-hmm. and I think there were 21 students in the class and 20 were female. Oh, okay. And that was like nice. completely wow. nuts. Wow. <laughs> I had never experienced that. I mean, it was it was interesting. It was a you know sort of mirror image like right, yeah. Right. yeah yeah sure. So you um, you spent uh, nine years at UCLA. I did, and you got your your doctorate. I did, and uh, well, you said that you were doing research for whose book? A man named Charles Hyam. Okay. H i g h a m. He was, well, he started as a poet, but uh, he was also a film critic. He was okay. uh, he was Australia's leading film critic, and oh, at some okay. point. He came to teach. Crikey. He came to teach at UCLA as a visiting professor, and he made the jump to being an LA okay. uh, writer, historian, critic, yeah. and he—he's uh, a very talented guy, still around. He—he um, he really needed to, you know, to publish a big book every year uh, in, order, okay. in order to keep up his standard of living. Right. So one year it was Warner Brothers. I worked, you know, I did a lot on that, and then. Um, I think the next was a biography of Errol Flynn, uh, who was okay. a Warner Brothers star, and uh, so it just yeah he he yeah. he really went wild on that one. There was a lot of interesting stuff, and he and I together found that uh, Errol Flynn was involved with a very dubious character named Dr. Herman J. 
Well, I remember the first. Maybe not that. Doctor Herman Urban. I don't yeah. remember the middle name. <laughs> yeah. It's been it's been a while. And Doctor yeah. Urban, it, there was some pretty clear evidence that Doctor Urban was a Nazi spy. Oh boy. Oh whoa. So then Charles did his best to make the case that Errol was a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. And, and that was a little less clear. Yeah. A little, a little yeah. more sensational. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 was not, that, that case wasn't as easy to make, sure. but that book sold a whole lot of copies. Oh, yeah. Right, right. That, oh, yeah. that, that was a big success, and it was also optioned for film. Oh, uh, okay. So he, you know, he did exceptionally well. I believe it. I mean, with the name like Herman Urban, I didn't <laughs> yeah. even, it just sounds made up. Uh, what's your name? Uh, Herman. Evil. What's your last name? Uh, Urban. <laughs> he, he was uh, a doctor specializing in tropical medicine, so that was a uh, great cover for traveling around the world. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. There you go. Uh, so, uh, is that what got you into writing, was the researching? Or was no, there an I interest? Think, no, I think there was a se- just a separate track. I, you know, I wanted. Okay, when I started this school at UCLA, I wanted to be a director and I wanted to be a historian, critic, teacher, mm-hmm. and it turns out I was better at doing the latter. You know, so I, you know, I, I did what I could on the other, but right. uh, my technical ability was not really what it needed to be. Uh, my dad was the least mechanical person <laughs> I've ever known. <laughs> he didn't know how to use a washing machine. That's what kind of new back then. There's a lot of this. Yeah, so he couldn't do that, and and um, um, I'm a little better, but not that you know, not that much. And mm-hmm. also, um, I'm. I'm pretty good working independently, yeah. and, and when I'm, when I'm, you know, if you're a director or producer, you're just bombarded, yeah, you know, with, you know, different people, different yeah. stimuli, yeah. Yeah. working with, so, you know, so it was a little plus people. It was a, it was a little much. So, um, the academic life where they really like the fact that sometimes you go off on your own and do stuff, mm-hmm. right, uh, was a better match. So, um, it was really hard for me to write. For a while, um, the, I wrote a, my dissertation was about a French filmmaker named Claude Lelouch who won best okay. foreign film. Yeah, that guy. I'm pointing to something on a podcast <laughs> so you guys can see. Right, of yep. course, <laughs> of course. So imagine whatever the poster looks like. Yeah, and there's a guy. Yeah, there's and a, a girl. Actually, actually, we should, you should have a contest. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, that can you actually draw it? Yeah. Can you draw the poster yeah. that's behind me? It's yeah, the, for Le Bon et Le Machin. The good, good and the, the good and the bad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got the good part. Yeah. Yeah. So the good, or it could be, could be sort of the good and the naughty or something. Like uh, okay. You uh, you spent some time in France, didn't you? Yeah. I, I, two long periods in France. Uh, one was um, 19 years old. Uh, went part of Wesleyan's program. Went okay. as a sophomore. Most people go as juniors, but we uh-huh. went as sophomores, and and you know, six months in Paris. Oh, uh, wow! And that was that was pretty amazing. And it happened to be uh, the first half of 1968, and in May oh, 1968 wow. there was a near revolution. Oh yeah, the right. So I was yeah. there for that. Whoa! Because I remember, like, my point of reference for for this part of your life is simply we were talking about. Is it Bertolucci's *The Dreamers* that came right. out a few years ago? Yeah, and we were talking. You, we were talking mainly about its rating, but we talked about, oh well, you know, that was kind of the experience that I that I was around for, that I observed. Yeah, I didn't meet those twins. 
<laughs> didn't, oh. hang, didn't hang out with them. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, man, what was with the singer? I, I, I like it. I didn't get to hang out with those twins, <laughs> but I, I, I did actually experience those, you know, that period. And, and, uh, the youth sometimes, culture. Sometimes people talk about uh, uh, there was a fight about the Cinémathèque Française, the, yeah. the French film archive that happened in the winter that was kind of a precursor to the yeah. revolt in May. That the government said, okay, we're tired of subsidizing this place yeah, uh, right. because it's so inefficient. Right. The guy who, who ran it was more of a poet than a Right, than that, I forget his name. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so we're taking exactly. it over. And so the film industry basically started having demonstrations saying, you can't take it away from this guy. This guy's a genius. Right. So I went to a demonstration, and you know, Godard was there, Truffaut was there, wow. um, Jean-Pierre Léo was there. Did Godard know. leave halfway through? No, actually, what, actually, what, ha what happened was 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 really quite interesting. And so they were waiting around for a while because Belmondo was supposed to come. Oh, really? Um, so Belmondo was late. <laughs> really, an actor late? Yeah. No, come on. But he he did come, and then they there had no this then they had this demonstration. And anytime you have a demonstration in France, the riot police show up. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. These guys with these you know helmets and shields and clubs. Yeah. And so you know Godard got hit in the you know hit in the face with a club. <laughs> yeah. Even though even though it was you know sort of the best behaved yeah. and, you know, and, and, he was and, just smoking you know, it, it was like the wimpiest demonstration you'd ever see but Godard got his glasses broken anyway oh, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of people smiling right now podcast land so, so I bet Chris that, Haniak I bet that made him breathless <laughs> so, that's what I brought him for yeah. so, mm. you know, so that you know so Sort of, I was a, a spectator in that part of thing, and then when the whole country closed down, and my you know parents were frightened out of their wits. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, was, wow. I was just hanging out there. I had a ticket back a couple weeks later. I think they came to visit me after it all had settled oh. down. I, I was actually all in favor. I thought the young people should take over. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, France the, the, and revolutions. Come yeah. on, doesn't you know, happen. The, the the big slogan was you know imagination takes power. Mm -hmm. I was all okay. in favor. It's pretty naive. But, yeah. Uh, was Walt Disney behind this? <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Mouse yeah. was on the flags. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So so um, yeah, that was part of it, and then. Um, when I was at UCLA, I got um, like a summer grant, and my wife and I was some, basically my wife and I took it as a honeymoon, right. and we went for two months. And, and and this guy Claude Lelouch was an interesting guy because he um, he was very popular. Mm -hmm. I mean, he 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 did a lot of things based in kind of new wave style. He 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 would shoot. He would pay a, a DP, but shoot himself. Oh, uh, right. you know, he would hold the camera himself, okay. and the DP would do the lighting. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. And and um, he sort of put together this this um, dream of a personal uh, uh, production company. Absolutely gorgeous layout. You know, beautiful thirty-five millimeter right. projection room. Um, he had. At the time that I was there, um, he had a place where you could eat, and he had a personal chef oh, for nice. his employees and nice. friends and so on. Uh, eventually, that became a, a, a restaurant. Oh, uh, nice. You know, later on. <laughs> so I was invited to hang out there and see all the man's movies and look through his files. How did you, uh, how did you what files. was your connection to that? How did you get I in with I just wrote that? him. I said, I'm a oh, that's great. Said, I want to write yeah. about you. And I was invited. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's great. And, you know, we, and... I would go in there three, four, 
five days a week. But then I was also with my wife in Paris for two months. That's right, great. Exactly, uh, yeah. You know, and, and if we wanted to take a day off or live, you know, a ton of holidays, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> this, you know, this Saint's Day, that Saint's Day, they, they take some holidays that we don't have. Yeah. So we would just take Do off. Nice. This Saint, that Saint, who knows? And, and also, you know, nobody was telling me which days I needed to be uh, at Lelouch's company doing right. the research. And it probably was more like three days a week, right, right. okay, and not five days a week. Okay. Uh, uh, but they, you know, so that was another two month period. Uh, and I go back when I can. Um, it's another. City. You you speak the language? I man? speak the language re- with a very heavy American. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, uh, the croissant. <laughs> uh, but I. We. Oui. <laughs> but, but I speak it reasonably enough so that uh, I can get by. And actually, uh, one of my. I think my second last trip, I had a really great experience because the French people have always been exceptionally nice to me. Right. Uh, but I went a couple times in the you know, 2000s, and once I was in in England, and I had like two three days when I had nothing I needed to do, so I took the the train, the fast train, yeah, yeah. Uh, to Paris, which was wonderful. Oh yeah. How long is it? It's like 90 minutes, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a you know 90 minute yeah. two hour yeah. trip, whatever. And and um, so I'm, I'm, you know I arrive I check into my hotel it's eight o'clock at night I'm hungry I go to a cafe and I, I say you know I want a ham sandwich and a beer <laughs> and so the beer comes immediately and I'm sitting there I'm sitting there I'm sitting there it's a crowded cafe everybody's eating having fun smoking because oh, yeah. at yeah, that point at least you could smoke yeah. and and there's no sandwich and I said well what's going on here is this the first time in my life that I'm being discriminated against because I'm an American and 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 finally the waiter comes up to me and he tells me in French using the familiar form the two form he says he says he says um don't worry uh, we ran out of bread, but I sent them out special to get some. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So the sandwich comes with this perfectly fresh bread at uh, eight o'clock at night. Uh, so you know, being being in France is great, but they really do appreciate when you can speak a little bit. Oh yeah. Right. Did you give them a good tip? Uh, well, you bet. <laughs> you bet, Mike. Wait, you on the whole, like, on the whole drive up, yeah. the, the reason he brings it up yeah. is on the whole drive up. Uh, Fernando and I were talking about the uh, the uh, the use of tipping yeah. uh, to ensure prompt service or yeah. or not. just twenty percent, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Just yeah, give yeah. it to him. Yeah. When my daughter first moved to New York, she was a waitress, okay. and she got very insistent about good tipping. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. and and, and um, at her place, this is a fancy downtown Manhattan restaurant mm-hmm. specializing in fish. Oh, yeah. okay. The name of it was Fresh, I think. Yeah, and and, and uh, out of the Hudson, you, you had so. you, you had a choice. You could, as a waitress. You could just put twenty percent, add twenty percent right. to their check, yeah. okay. and that was the tip they had to pay. Right, right. right. Or you could you could leave it up to the discretion of the patron. Right, so right. you had to psych out right, who yeah. was going to tip you more than twenty percent. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's a game. And yeah, I, yeah. I think she was probably very good at it because she's you know she's you know like when she was in school she could always like sort of psych out the professor. Oh, well, okay, yeah, what yeah. does the professor really want? Right, yeah, yeah. Oh, what, she had I you never, as a father. Yeah, I never did that. What, never you know, that. what what is it? You know, you know what is really going to help me I in this particular situation? She's I, she's really really good with people. So this 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 waitress gig. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and the 
that kind of judgment was was ex exactly the sort of thing that she can do. Yeah, it's tricky because if, cause if, <laughs> if you think they're going to pay you more, but you put the 20, then they'll just give you the 20. Yeah, and right. not, and yeah, they, the they won't, yeah, they won't put anything in. Right, that's right. great. Uh, uh, but if you think that the guy's good for at least 25 and it gives you 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reading people, that's a, yeah. that's a human quality you shouldn't undermine. Yeah, yeah I'm lazy. I'll just put 20% of everybody. That was the thing. That was yeah. the, the argument. We were arguing about whether, you know, you, you build that in in your experience. I'm going to go out tonight. I'm going to mm -hmm. be making money, right, right. throwing money at it. So I might as well just throw it. For him, it's installed in the yeah. experience. So like he's just going to If I'm paying 50 those five, ten, whatever the tip would be, is right. gonna break me. You know, if I'm already thinking of spending that kind of money, right. then whatever the tip is, I should I should already be prepared to pay. Whereas right. for me, it's more yeah. about the experience. Right. I feel like if they are sullying my experience, I I have a problem with it. Yeah, it's another podcast. <laughs> it's another one. <laughs> no, the financial podcast. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think. In fact, I think I'll leave that one. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't pick okay. a side. Yeah. So, so finally, coming out of UCLA. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, there was a week in March 1980 where I hit the trifecta. That um, I finished my dissertation. I got my first full-time teaching job, and my daughter was born. Wow. That happened between Tuesday and Friday. <laughs> Yeah, so so um the first teaching job was in Dallas. Okay. University of Texas at Dallas. I liked the school. Oh at Dallas, okay. Yeah. It was in it was actually in Plano, Texas, which is a suburb um, I'd like the school. I didn't like being in Dallas. Dallas was okay. very sort of ingrown community. Okay. Uh, you know, the the Baptist <laughs> church was super super oh, important. Ah, yeah. uh, okay. And and even and, you know, people were, were were very nice and very friendly, but it was it, it felt closed. The university was nice because there were a lot of people from outside. Right. And and like the students were often the rebels. The students that were going to our school and, and, and uh, um, studying humanities were the rebels. Right. So, you know, quite a few divorced women, for example, sure. oh, okay. were, were, were doing that. So it, it was different. And also at the time, it was a junior-senior graduate school. It's gone four yeah. years now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and the average age was probably late 20s right. uh, of a okay. student. So it's different than Towson. Okay, I see what you're saying now. Okay. Yeah, it was different than Towson. Yeah. But, um, I think at that point, Dallas wasn't really that big of a city. Like, it was just starting to be like what Dallas is today. Like uh, it was booming, kind of actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it was booming, and and, uh, uh, and they all, they, they were completely nuts about the Cowboys. No. Oh, yeah. And, what? And, you know, you know, and, 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 Texas you know, football. I've <laughs> never heard of that. You know, com completely, you know, you know, blind to any outside points of yeah. view. Okay. That the, my first year there, I rented a house from somebody, and he he worked for Texas Instruments, and his job was sort of liaison with international parts of the company. Okay. And he said, you know, most of his conversations with people outside of the country were about the Cowboys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. So it's just as soon nuts. as he met, as right. soon as the accent starts, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Was he able to get you any calculators? <laughs> <laughs> Strangely enough, uh, Texas Instruments uh, headquartered in uh, Chicago. <laughs> in Chicago <yeah. laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was the case at that point. <laughs> uh, but 
it, it's just a strange place. There's no zoning, or pretty yeah. much no zoning in Dallas. Uh, okay. So, you know, you could have your dream house out in the suburbs, nice. and then, you know, five years later, there could be a shopping center on either huh. side. Uh, uh, that, okay, actually, yeah. that configuration actually existed. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and oh. Texas Instruments was the biggest employer in town, and uh, at one point, they wanted to build a 12-story office building, and the uh, city wouldn't give them the permit, so, uh. they, so they built it anyway. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> they don't give a fuck. Texas, Texas Instruments, Texas. I like they it. Sure, yeah, sure. TI-83 plus. <laughs> it, it was a whole different thing. Um, but that was a visiting professor job. It lasted two years, and mm-hmm. then I was back on the job market, and I got two interviews they said it was tough because it was i was looking for a job in the fall right okay the process the the process of there's two year visiting and then there was a permanent job right and the choosing somebody for the permanent job went on till june which was ridiculous ah okay you know like in june i found out well sorry peter we're not inviting you back Uh, so now here i am on the job market my wife's working Mm -hmm. uh and so I'm looking for a job that starts as soon as possible. So I had two interviews in the fall for a job starting this in January. This is an 82, 83? This is an 83. 83. Uh, no, actually it was fall of 82, you're right. Okay. Uh, uh, so one day I was in Towson, like Monday I was in Towson, and Tuesday I was in Slippery Rock, <laughs> which is like a hour and a half north of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Tiny little place. There was a gas station, but no supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> Can that be the title? Gas station, but no supermarket. <laughs> you just picked it, yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and um, the guys at Slippery Rock were nice, but they, you know, like... There was they no spent, supermarket. They, they spent the interview talking about golf. <laughs> uh, I, I don't play golf. <laughs> <laughs> a little left out, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't play golf. And, it, you know, a thousand, you know... Uh, Barry Moore was interviewing me, and mm-hmm. you know, okay. I, I got along great with him. Uh, Rick Vats was interviewing me; I got along great with him. Did Barry have a cigarette as he was interviewing? Barry, <laughs> I'm sure he had a cigarette after. <laughs> and Barry had, you know, uh, fairly long hair and a beard. Wow! Um, he, was, he was in a different configuration. <laughs> um, and the the chair was a woman named Irene Shipman. Uh, who had been like a supermarket HR person before right. she went and got her doctor or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's sort of very business-like. And, oh, that uh, seems you know, um, later it turned out she had an alcohol problem, but what I noticed that very first <laughs> week, the very first day that I was there, yeah. is that she invi- after the whole interview process, mm-hmm. she invited me into her office, she opened up her little refrigerator in the <laughs> office, and we had a beer. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. Right, right here on campus. There you go. And later on, I figured out that was her, her way of telling me that I, you know, I had done great. Yeah. That, that, that was the victory beer. Note to self. Not that's yet. what it means to yeah. pass a job interview. Did you know she was an alcoholic? Flashback. That, that, yeah. What? So, so that was the only job interview I ever had with a victory beer. <laughs> and, and, uh, um, like three weeks later, uh, job offers came from both universities a day apart. Mm. Oh, okay, nice. And I said, thank God I don't have to go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Greg's uh, fan base is actually very much based in Slippery yeah. Rock. Um, they do have yeah. a supermarket now. On the U.S. market, yeah. Slippery Rock's actually yeah. the highest city. It's like, it's like, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I enjoy your gas station. <laughs> yeah. 
It's like DC, Slippery Rock, and then Maryland. I mean, the only thing I know that Slippery Rock is famous for is that Slippery uh, Rocks. At at no. some at some point, I think it was in the eighties, uh, University of Michigan football stadium. Okay. It's like the biggest foot, our, yeah. the biggest college the football big stadium. Yeah, the big house. So football is a mm. sport where mm-hmm. okay, and and um, uh, they would read all the scores. Uh, so the announcer was sort of riffing, you know, he would make a huge deal every week on the Slippy Rock store. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people would cheer. <laughs> so just, just arbitrarily, there, there became this connection between Slippery Rock and University of Michigan. Uh, okay. The announcer would go crazy about it. Uh, so one year... U of M invited Slippery Rock. Ah, uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Come and play. Yeah. They got stomped, I'm guessing. Yeah, it was probably 80 to nothing. <laughs> but, you know, what a, what a, what a pleasure. <laughs> so, uh, you know, aside from that, the, 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 you know, they, despite the wonderful name, they, they haven't, you know, really established themselves too much in the right. American consciousness. When, right. when you were hired here at Towson, what was, what was the job you were hired for? What was the, what was the department? Well, the department was speech and mass communication, uh, basically what MCCS is right okay. now. It's called Mass Communication right. and Communication Studies, but right. so okay. basically the same thing. And the mass communication area was just beginning to expand. Um, there were two faculty members in what's now radio, television, and film, or what's now EMF. Yeah, can, EMF I, can I guess one of them? John McCarran. <laughs> it was John McCarran and Barry Moore. That oh, was okay. yeah. Yeah, those, the, those two were it. Yeah. Uh, I, I love to imagine that, like, those two out, like, yeah, going like, out in, in Baltimore. Yeah, just like, let's <laughs> go out. Like, what? <laughs> there, there were about three three people that had been here for a while that basically had staff jobs. Okay. Um, uh, that made media for the university, for private clients, and taught a little bit. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, so they had these kind of hybrid appointments. Uh, and then there were two people that were hired just before me, one to, one to do radio. His, his position eventually became John Turner's position. Okay. okay. And he was, he was actually general manager of the radio station and full-time teaching job. Okay. And then there was another guy hired to teach TV production. I mean, his job probably morphed into Dave Reese's job. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, many years later. So, you know, there's, so the, there's actually a faculty of four, two of whom had just been uh, hired. But my job was the weirdest job um, ad I've ever seen. Okay. Because it says, hey, we want somebody to teach um, PR or journalism or film. <laughs> <laughs> or cooking uh, or... Yeah. So you're going to be the PR Automobile <laughs> Sort of like, you know, you know, we, you know we're, we're a growing mass comm department and yeah. we don't really care right. which one it is. <laughs> pick it, pick right. your poison. So, so I came in and I, I uh, you know, I gave a talk and they liked it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you told him about Godard getting hit in the face. <laughs> Actually, I gave a talk about the big sleep on Humphrey Bogart. Oh, yeah, okay. I remember this. Not, not French yeah. at all. It's actually, yeah. it's actually one of my favorite films still. Yeah, I remember us talking about that in history film. Um, you see? Yeah. There you go. I'm pretty predictable. And, it's, <laughs> and it was 20 years later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, don't remember that class in your history film class? Uh, yeah, I might not have taught it that semester. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, that, I remember, yeah. That, Gre- that Greg remembers it. You, because I remember us talking about uh, what, what it was on the DVD was the, uh, the uh, one that was released and the pre-released one. Right. 
So yeah, yeah there, there are two versions. Yeah, right, right. It was, it was an the early coalition two, two very interesting versions. That mm -hmm. uh, one version it was made during the war. One version went out to servicemen overseas. Uh -huh. uh, a different cut. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. A different cut went to the uh, U.S. market, and eventually right. Warner Brothers realized they had both. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they could you know they could put both on the right. DVD. Yeah. Uh, and that was before every movie had a director's cut. Oh, uh, okay, and, nice. And, and and this, that, and and the other thing. It's a little more, uh, a little more uh, um, sexual innuendo. The the military one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would so, imagine so. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, so I got to start in mm. January, which was great because I was unemployed oh, okay. for you know for fall semester. Right, right. And uh, um, we love Baltimore. I mean, you know, it felt very, you know, very comfortable, very much at home, and and uh, Baltimore is a whole lot more like Cleveland than Dallas. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah, and and much more uh, sort of conglomeration of different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, in Dallas, it's like a, you know, hundred degrees and and dry <laughs> for for months at a time. Yeah, I mean, yep. it, it's it's tough. You don't get yeah. You really don't get weather. It's yeah. just it's one mode for Getting a long time. The fourth constituent of fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in Texas. Yeah. So uh. yeah, it's really amazing that that city with no particular resources is you know it's one of the biggest known, yeah. you know and most prosperous cities in the United States. More yeah. than a million people. Yeah. I mean, it's on some little river, but not, yeah. you, know, not you know not particularly memorable. That yeah. you know the transportation. Got a big airport, just right, right, yeah. uh, and you know, just you know, in an entrepreneurial way, they built that up to a huge oh, town. Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised like more like cities haven't popped up. It's interesting to do a study like post airport or post airplanes. Like you would think there'd be more like out of the way cities that would be big, which I guess it sort of is. But every, uh, you know what I mean? Like a lot of, a lot of small. Plane, yeah. There's still a lot of uh, small jetways. You know? Yeah, it's still it's still like sort of based on waterways, and like cities are still like what they were, and they just. Yeah. Well, America, it's pretty. You know, it's pretty anarchic. You know, you know, yeah. wherever wherever people get something going, then <laughs> yeah. we're, we're going well, to have Vegas. A city. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Las Vegas makes no sense at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there's no water there. Yeah, yep. yeah, there's, 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 true, yeah. There's no, there, in Dallas really shouldn't have a million people, but right. it does. Uh, so uh, it's it's pretty wild. You know, places like China try to do real social engineering. Yeah, yeah. we're going to put five million people yep. right here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that doesn't work so well. So, yeah. uh -huh. um, you know, maybe the American system in that way is a uh, is a little bit better. USA, USA. <laughs> With the Olympics going, you have yeah. to USA. I I actually assumed that the Chinese were going to continue to have you know more medals. Uh, it got it's close it's close there like yeah. it could I, I think uh, the, the the I read these articles on Grantland uh, and I think the guy was like at this point with the medal the, with the events coming up I think we're pretty secure in winning both like overall and gold okay uh, that's great yeah well what I yeah. what I didn't factor in was that um, they were at home in twenty eight in, yeah, in, in, yeah, in, so. in, in, in two thousand eight in two thousand eight yeah I figured you know they're just you know they're probably putting more money into it and they have a bigger population and, right, so, right, on right. and so forth so they're going to dominate from now on maybe right. you know maybe you know we'll win one or the other right right know, right golds or, or total medals but yeah. you know you know they had the home court advantage last oh, time oh no yeah they definitely so, put a lot of yeah so so maybe um you know it looks like we're going to pull it out but it's going to be close it's going to be that's what yeah yeah i think it's always going to be close i don't think they'll uh, always 
like dominate but i think it's i think that's the new russia kind of thing like oh, it's, it's always gonna be neck and neck us and china <laughs> and we kind of owe the money so we gotta somewhere, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> the other communist superpower that yeah. we have to pick <laughs> to be our <laughs> yeah. to be our red scare yeah. Yeah. so i mean uh, probably the most interesting thing that happened um while i was at towson was late 90s uh Barry Moore and I and Greg Fowler and some other folks decided we want our own department. Right. And, and you know. Well, we how long was uh, how long had uh, uh, Greg Fowler been here? He came uh, three years after me. Okay. Okay. Uh, I helped to hire him. There you go. Nice. And that was, that was the that was the best hire I ever made. Oh yeah. Uh, it's pretty good. Just yeah. was it what got him the job? Was it the Hawaiian shirts? <laughs> yeah, did that help? Yeah. <laughs> you got flair, kid. It was the earring. I think it was the earring. <laughs> it was yeah. The earring. yeah. There was no this Hawaiian. Kid's got <laughs> there was no Hawaiian shirt. There was no earring. Uh, but one of the things about Greg is that he's good at a lot of different things. Oh yeah. Okay. That he was a. Uh, uh, I mean, he had a PhD. He was a you know good at the kind of uh, scholarship aspect of film, mm -hmm. okay. uh, and he'd also worked as a professional editor for a couple of years. Oh, you know, a I actually, know you know, actually um, cutting the 16 millimeter film yeah, yeah. Uh, for a company in Philadelphia. I didn't know that. So, um, you know, he had, he had that really nice combination, and he's very good with equipment. Mm -hmm. You know, he could teach production. Yeah, I mean, so you would say that editing helped him make the cut. Oh, huh? gee. <laughs> Did you see his reaction? <laughs> did. did you see his reaction? That's yes. that's what I brought you for. <laughs> it's an intervention for your sense of humor. <laughs> um, I swear, there's only like 18. <laughs> but it's interesting because EMF has been trying ever since to hire people that can do both those things. And oh yeah. We we you All know right. Greg Greg was is the sort of you know ideal right, mm -hmm. right. of doing that which is unfortunately why I got kicked upstairs to be a social <laughs> <laughs> he, was so, he was so good at what he did that he yeah. you know, he became associate dean and yep. I'm, very, I'm very happy for him yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it also uh, it hurts us and it helps us it, mm -hmm. hurt, it hurts us because uh, we don't have them here yeah. every day. Right, right. Yeah. It helps us because we have friendly face. Right, right, right. you got someone uh, over there, you know, over over in the dean's office. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Well, you seem to like. It, how does it? How does a? How do you guys hire for for working here, adjunct professors? Is it based on like really their focus, like you know, After Effects or or screenwriting or whatever? Is it really? You you want to you want to compile a team of here are the strengths you know is that really how you are well it's a it's an interesting and complicated process it's probably more uh for a full-time faculty member which right. unfortunately becoming a harder a harder to find species harder to find <laughs> right. job right um um you know there are all kinds of criteria that come up and and you know sometimes do you want the best person you know whatever the particular blend is um, uh, or do you need, you know, some very specific qualifications? Uh, and so we go back and forth on that. I mean, I was an example of where they couldn't give a damn about the specific right, right. qualifications. <laughs> <laughs> just, just cast this really wide yeah. net. And yeah. they said, yeah. they Can said, you speak? Yeah. Can you read a book? Yeah, they, yeah. They, and they said, who do might walk inhale? in? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, we'll get PR later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. which, is, uh, which is what ended up happening right um, and I mean with the adjunct faculty um, actually the the chair of the department is able to just do that yeah on his own uh, but he often would ask you know 
somebody in, in, in the area, okay, it's video production, all right, you talk to Dave Reese or somebody else and right, say, right. you think this guy can help us? Right. Uh, or, you know, will you, he's coming in to talk to me, will you sit in? Right. You know, will you do that? Right. Uh, so it, it, it gets to be more collaborative. Uh, I mean, we've been fantastically lucky that a lot of our adjunct faculty stick around for a while. Um, I mean, I look at Steve Leibovitz, who's been teaching film history for us. And my God, 1991! Wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> or you know, Matt's been Matt mm -hmm. uh, um, Bainbridge has been a really important person here um, for a long time, and he's been here for several years. Yeah. I was, uh, I think, uh, my second year was his first year. Like, the, I was in his first class kind of thing, yeah. yeah. Was that 2004, but, 2005? Uh, no, later, uh, 07, okay. I want to say. 06, 07, yeah. something yeah. like that. Oh, but he's an example of somebody. He's an adjunct faculty member. Yeah. But, you know, some a lot of guys who've been through here will say, this is the most important faculty right. member I had. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. This, you know, this is the one that really sparks something. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. Oh, um, yeah. That was left for me. <laughs> oh man, flattery definitely gets you everywhere. Yeah, uh, <laughs> while he's on the tenth episode, there, right? yeah, there, there's a was a great story. Um, the 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 man who did who was the the DP for the Blair Witch Project. Oh yeah, yeah, was yeah. a Towson student. Mm -hmm. Yes, and and um, um, so he came back uh, with a later film that he had uh, co-directed with his wife. Blair Witch. Too. Oh okay. No, <laughs> it wasn't Blair Witch. It was a. Uh, it was. Um, it was a drama. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was like a romantic drama, as I remember. And um, he said, um, he said, Greg Fowler's the man, let me tell you why. <laughs> so he said, I took experimental film with, oh, yeah. with Greg, and, and uh, um, the, la the last week or two of the semester, my project blew up in my face. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, it, and it was fall semester. And I you know, went to Greg and I said, you know, I'm, you know, really not happy with this, and and uh, uh, you know, can I work on it in January? Yeah. And um, this guy's name is Neil Frederick, very okay. nice guy. And and uh, uh, Greg says, okay, I'll give you an incomplete, and you know, I'll arrange for you to be able to come in and shoot and edit in January. And you know, Neil did, you know, did did the work all over again. You know, did the project all over again, and it came out very good yeah. and he said you know that's why i'm here today oh yeah you know, that's that's what sparked his oh, interest yeah. in that you know that's why he was a professional absolutely um you know some years later although being the dp on the blair witch project was a sort of a mixed blessing right yeah, sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, be, because um you know you the whole point of it was the so amateurish look, footage yeah. and right and, and, <laughs> so, and so so for, for part of the footage his job was just to explain the camera well enough so that yeah, the, yeah. Act, the actress uh, could run it without right. wrecking right. it shake it as much as you want she <laughs> she, she um, he, he had two identical cameras and she did damage the first oh, one oh. Uh, but you know he thought said you he were had, supposed to throw it on the floor he said he, he said I had to be very careful um, about who I showed that to or what parts of the film right. went out to my reel. Right. <laughs> right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it, This it, is what this guy does, yeah. Yeah, because it's made to be amateur work. I right, mean, it, right. in fact, he, he could be a very good, very professional DP. Yeah. I, I yeah. saw other things that he did. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I think uh, definitely, I think one of the reasons you're you're on here is because you were such a, an influence, especially from the theory side of things. I, I remember Greg Fowler's classes, uh, especially 
Bradley and uh, and and probably Keith Tishkin when he was here te- teaching uh, uh, um, uh, the the 70s Hollywood and and oh and Keith Strandberg uh, when he was teaching producing right. and screenwriting I think yeah I think four or five professors that I thought were just you know probably shaped my my tastes and the way I look at films definitely I remember from one of your classes uh, I think I can't remember if it was film history or another film class but you showed stuff from TV like I remember you showed the Cosby show like it's over your shoulder you showed a clip from the Cosby show and a clip from um, uh, The Wire I think so it was very much like okay this is it's not just film like these these things are also happening in TV and like this is how a little bit of TV because a lot of times Film, the film classes or whatever you like sort of short shrift to TV but also like right. that this is also you know something that that's going on and, and that speaks the same sort of language if not slightly differently or it's, with an accent it's that's crazy that the, the, you're showing that too because that was like right at that cusp of right, how yeah, TV yeah. was changing right, you know right. Uh, the wire, yeah. In the late 90s, you could say, you know, story-wise, probably was, you know, was becoming different. But mm-hmm. man, ever since, like, HBO yeah, and AMC HBO, yeah. became really popular, it's a whole different story. Yeah, yeah, a year ago, I was in Canada. I had, like, a one-day job, you know, consulting job at a university. Mm-hmm. And I met, like, the chair of their media department who, who was writing a book on The Wire. Okay. And this was in Ontario, uh, near Niagara Falls. And she had seen every episode eight times. And what was fantastic <laughs> is she had never been to Baltimore. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And yeah, well, why would she want to go to Baltimore? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> she had no clue about Baltimore. Inner so Harbor night is nice, yeah. I like. Yeah, so it's just just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, to her, it was a, like this, this, you know, it was like. Uh, um, you know, Hobbitland. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. What, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know. Would you the say? Shire. Would you say yeah. that that's uh, one of your favorite TV series? I mean, do you keep up with current TV? Um, not as much as I should, but I think, yeah, yeah, I think The Wire is terrific, uh, and um, what the Game of Thrones? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, this, Game of this, Thrones. This yeah. last year, which mm-hmm. I think won the Emmy for for. Something, yeah. <laughs> best yeah. dramatic series, mm-hmm. whatever I think is really terrific. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the books are terrific. Great and, plotting. Yeah. I mean, that's a case where the books are terrific and the and the uh, yeah. the TV episodes are really yeah. terrific. Right. I agree. Too. I, I've just started reading the books. I'm like yeah. in the third book, and yeah, that's pr- it is. It's pretty great. Yeah, the uh, plotting, the uh, the, the I, I think he has a great uh, knack for um, having different voices. You know, because they always c- criticize. Oh well, you know uh, that 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 book or that movie. Right. Uh, you know, everyone sounds the same or sounds right, like right. the author or whatever. Right. But man, he's got you know hundreds of different <laughs> characters, yeah. and they all have their own, their own way course, of yeah. speaking. Yeah. There was a, a New York Times article about that guy, George R. R. Martin, the, yeah. the author. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, what was great about it is, um, you know, he's created this universe that's so complicated that he he. Has trouble keeping track of it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and so there was a there was a um, um, there's a man in Sweden who created a database, <laughs> yeah, uh, just just as a fan, yeah, um, keeping up with the characters, and, the wiki of ice and, and fire or something and, like yeah, that, yeah, making you know. Uh, 
sort of making it all cohere. <laughs> yeah. right, right. And and so George R. R. Martin put him on retainer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. an employee. Yeah, now. that's yeah, great. It's and, like, and, it's and when he has a problem, he's writing something. He has a problem. He calls up this guy in Sweden <laughs> and he says, "How you know? How does this connect to this?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like uh, those those stories of bands who forget the lyrics and like, yeah. like rappers don't forget the lyrics. Just they'll just shove it yeah, in the yeah. first like the first roll. Like, oh yeah, all right, yeah, got it, got it, yeah. Yeah, that, that's so. Uh, that's we got we got up on a tangent, but going back. So, in uh, what what year did you guys late nineties? You said yeah, you in the late nineties we had um, Lev. What was around revolutions? We, <laughs> we, had, we had a uh, there was a dean named Alex Sidorovich who um, sort of sounded us out. You know, would we want our own department? Uh, he's a music professor. Uh, um, typically, the deans of fine arts like the film part of. Of what's now EMF, mm-hmm. because it was more like the arts. Oh yeah, right, 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 right. And and they were not really interested in PR advertising, right. or less interested in those areas. Once we had a dean who actually came, the one the dean who was there when you were here, Kit Spicer, actually came mm-hmm. from okay. like speech communication. Okay. So he he had more interest, which was good. It actually helped to to balance it. Right. So you know, Alex got us started. I remember I wrote a position paper about how I wanted to do it, uh, but unfortunately, Alex was killed in a car accident. Oh, and then the the new dean was Marvin Lushke, theater professor, uh, absolutely brilliant uh, administrator. Boy, to have a professional actress as an administrator wow, nice. she can do some stuff that, sure. <laughs> <laughs> wow she can do some stuff that nobody else can do or that or, or that really you know really takes some work yeah uh and um uh, she decided it would be a really good idea she just picked it up uh and she got along extremely well with barry who was the uh at that time it was, it was he was something called unit coordinator okay and um, you know, she and Barry got together and said, "Let's do this." Right. Uh, right. And then they said they had to sell it to the provost. Uh, uh, and the provost was an interesting guy named John Hager, very bright and kind of Machiavellian. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, um, Marvin was actually passionate that this was a good idea for the university. Right. And um, talking to Hager about it, it was clear to me he could argue yes or no with equal. <laughs> Right, you right. know, with equal fervor. <laughs> so for whatever reason, he decided to argue yes. Okay. And uh, there was a fair amount of controversy because uh, Mascom didn't want to let us go. Uh, so okay. They said, you know, these are really good colleagues. We don't want to lose them. Right. And they also said, well, film can go. But we absolutely need television. Ah, okay. It doesn't make any sense to us to have a right. mass com program without television. Right. I could I see that argument. Um, yeah. But uh, John McCarran and Bill Horn are TV guys. They wanted to yeah. go with EMF. They liked that idea of a, of a more focused right, right. department. And the other problem with mass com is they had 1,300, 1,400 students. So the students really felt like they were... Um, like in a factory, right? Right. Yeah, you know, they felt really felt like they, you know, they weren't getting to know their professors. They, you know, they right. weren't having the experience they wanted to do, and and so one of the things the university, one of the decisions the university was making, well, all right, maybe we can't rescue all fourteen hundred of them because, <laughs> be, because it would just take too many resources. Right. But maybe we can carve off three hundred mm-hmm. in EMF 
and they're going to have a really good experience, and that at least you know starts with the problems, just like this right, right, the right. charter school thing. Right. right, right, right. You know, do you put your money into the big system, or are you to try to you know, right, save what you can? Yeah, yeah, save save what you can. Was it was it a question of specializing at all with thirteen or fourteen hundred students? Were they going through the mass comm major, getting a little bit of everything? Well, yeah, get, no. you were, but in getting a little bit of everything, I thought was okay. But then right. there needed to be specialty on top. Right. You'd walk into a PR class and it's designed for twenty five students, and there'd be fifty. Right. Uh, okay. And um, it it just wasn't working. The it was the advising was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I actually felt that those students, including my students at the time, were really walk, sort of walking around with a weight on their shoulder, right, right. that they weren't getting the college experience that just about any other Towson student was getting. Right, right. Because the place was just too big. Uh, and so, you know, we were fortunate enough, we were approved to go off. It was the first new department at Towson in 20 or 30 years. Nice, nice, nice. There, I mean, there have been a few more since. Women's studies became a department and so mm -hmm. on. Uh, and I mean, at least from my point of view, it's been a really good success. And there's much more feeling of community on this side. And ironically, uh, MassCom Communication Studies continues to grow. They have 1,300, 1,400. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have to find another place yeah. to them. Grocery yeah. store education. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we tabloids. Yeah, we we have our you know we have our 400. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but they just grew. Yeah, you know, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they they somehow replaced them. I don't know that the mood is the same or not. I yeah. really, I really have no. Well, idea. Yeah, that you just split off? You're like, eh, oh, well, is that just the students going into MassCom because right. it's it's such a such a catch-all kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, it's a catch-all. Yeah. It's an you umbrella marketing, PR, yeah, practical writing, liberal yeah. arts. Yeah, right. as one student explained to me, very good student, practical mm -hmm. liberal arts. Yeah. Um, well, I worry about what we're teaching in EMF too because, uh, gosh, it's what. The fourth, fifth year of a recession now. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. and yeah. it's really hard for younger people to come out and get jobs. Right. And, and uh, oh uh, man, definitely. I mean, our field, um, you know, people people um, cut back on hiring in our field before they do in nursing yeah. or right, yes, right. yes. Or, exactly. or in fact, like in that. fact, I mean, like I can understand the. Uh, I remember the 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 fear of getting a job outside of college. And I got it in four months talking to this uh, kid who's interning there. You know Gabe? No. Okay, so there's this guy who's interning at our work right now and t talking to him about how long he it, it took him. He He's right in, right in it. It's taken, you know, better part of a year or maybe more to even find a job. And, and in that field, because people come out of here and, you know, they, they, their options are, are limited. Either they go do what, what we did, they make a connection right. to go do that. Um, especially if you're, out of the, if you're out of the county or out of the state, it's also about going back to where that is. And if they have right. jobs in product, TV production or, or, or film production or whatever. Right. And it's also the thing of, am I going to, you know, try to do a nine to five, try to get that steady paycheck or try to freelance and, and right. build my own. Yeah, absolutely. Freelance, so there's know. always like, and in our field, there's always that tug of which one am I going to go with? Yeah. Do you want the stable, the stable paying right. job with, with, with benefits, right. which is great. But then also you also have that kind of ceiling. So right. you can't really be your own person or be your own boss. Very little creativity and right, you know, exactly. Use, you're you're use doing the creativity, else. yeah. Well, 
because you two are Washington based, yeah. you yeah. actually have more options yeah. than you yeah. know than it's the true. than the Baltimore. Yeah, it's true. You it's know, true. than yeah. the Baltimore based, or you know, somebody who lives in Harford County yeah. or lives in ba- in um, um, Baltimore City, you know, their stay home option is much less. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. You know, at least you've got some some you know good good sized cable production companies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, right around. Um, Definitely. PC, Definitely. Uh, and that makes a difference. Yep. Um, yeah. Some people want to move to New York. I mean, they're you know they're, they're all kinds I think of those different. Are the options, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're all kinds of different options. So why don't we talk about Prometheus? <laughs> <laughs> well, one more thing. I know, I know you've you've got you know your opinions on it. And I'm sure Fernando has his right. opinions uh, on it. Well, well, one one more sure. thing I did want to touch on is your writing. You said that you've uh, you've I, I think I had one of your books. You've done four books, five books. Uh, five and the the one that's you know in process right now is six. Is this okay. the that's the one the on Twentieth Century Fox? Twentieth yeah, Century oh, okay. Fox. Book. And uh, we're looking at. Do you have a young idealistic undergrad uh, who is uh, helping you write it. Is <laughs> helping you research. He's no. actually offering the, his, his help. <laughs> no, but we're looking at the uh, the Academy of uh, of uh, Motion Picture Arts and Sciences gave you a grant, a scholar grant for yeah, it, they right? They gave me a grant and they gave me this um, beautiful plaque. <laughs> Oscar, really? <laughs> an Oscar. You can say uh, you got an Oscar. They, no, they gave me a piece of paper with the, <laughs> with the with the Academy an embossed, you know, golden uh, picture of the Oscar. They yeah. didn't physically give me an Oscar, although <laughs> the, the the PR people at the university here, university relations, they thought. Yeah, yeah, no, right, yeah. They, they thought there must be an Oscar and wanted to take my picture with it. That's uh, great. And sort of explain they know I, I, they gave me a certificate and a check. Right. Uh, <laughs> nice. Um, both of which were appreciated. I framed this thing. That's great. Yeah. Oh, okay. What, yeah. what were the um, what were the the topics? You have the 20th Century Fox book. What were the topics of your other okay, the, the other books? The first book is about uh, French filmmakers Claude Lelouch, which mm-hmm. gave me experience to do some work there. Uh, the second book was my transition book. It's called the Euro American Cinema. And it's about combinations between European and. Uh, American filmmaking, and well, like the Dreamers, right, and lots of Berlucci's, right. um, for example. Uh, the third book was American film of the films of the seventies, mm-hmm. conflicting visions, mm-hmm. and that was kind of interesting because my my title was conflicting visions colon American films of the nineteen seventies, <laughs> <laughs> and the press, uh, University of Texas Press, that I I like them very much. So yeah. I've, Texas done, again. <laughs> done three, you know, Texas by coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> done three books for them, but they they switched it, um, and I really liked my title. <laughs> and, yeah. But the title's their responsibility. Okay. Um, and it, 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 you know, the book was fine. Right. And then there's one called. Um, well, it's in a series of American film history, and it's on Hollywood in the fifties. I think that's uh, the one I got. Uh, and yeah. that, I guess. I can't even remember the name of it, um, yeah. but um, I have a picture of the, the roller coaster from This Is Cinerama on, uh, on the yes, cover. Yes, yes, nice. That's what it was yeah, on yeah. the cover. So that was a real nice sort of uh, synergy yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of biography right. and subject matter. So uh, and and then there's <laughs> then there's an anthology I co-edited on. Uh, film adaptations of literature and drama. Okay. And now this 20th Century Fox, which turned out to be the biggest project at all, of all. And I was, I was, I was, well, I'm going to show that as part of the 
20th Century Fox course I'm okay. teaching okay. this year. Oh, okay. And then I needed something else. You know, you need to show a variety of genres or appeal to a right. variety of audiences. Mm -hmm. and so I said, well, what about the action movies that Fox had, you know, has made? Oh, yeah. And obviously... Um, they did a great job. You know, obviously the, the Die Hard movies uh, are really important. Die Hard 1, I think, is a terrific movie. It all, is. All, yeah. all the way through. It is. Um... Jan Lackey shows that in, in women and gender in film. You know, she, uh, I can see why. You know, she's got some stuff to say about it. <laughs> which, that it is a feminist piece. Which, yeah. which, which makes perfect sense. And so I said, said to myself, well, what about Die Hard 2? One of the things I noticed about Die Hard 2 is that it made 40% more money than Die Hard 1. Oh, right. Which, mm -hmm. is, which is completely unlike... Yeah, the typical sequel, sequel yeah, that makes yeah, two diminishing thirds. returns, yeah. right? Yeah, the, the sequel you you sort of count on it making you know sixty or sixty five percent. So it, the know. paradigm might have shifted yeah, depending shifted on now. Yeah, depending yeah. on the uh, the series yeah. of that. So so yeah. you know what what was there about Die Hard two that you know you know was was so attractive to people and 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 I think it I mean so I looked at, I had never seen Die Hard two mm -hmm. I'd okay. seen Die Hard a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so I looked at Die Hard 2, and it, it's a pretty damn close copy. It is. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And they even make fun of it. They do. <laughs> they do with him. And he says, why does this always happen to me at Christmas? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the same like thing that. happened yeah. to the same said, guy twice. And yeah. he said, you know, he said, another chord or what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so There's a little meta, a little yeah. meta commentary. Yeah, our, uh, so the, the one thing me and Greg, there was like this uh, hip-hop single from like 1993, 94, <laughs> mm -hmm. and it's uh, it's like, what this one-off artist called Special K, but like, and it became, it was a big hit. Uh, it, it was called uh, the chorus was "I got a man, what your man got to do with me." But at the beginning, if you listen to the album version, for somehow I don't know yeah. how you got hold of it on YouTube or something. Yeah. But they had that line of dialogue from Die Hard Two when he's like, "How can the same thing happen to the same guy twice?" It was, it was right. sampled exactly. in a hip hop yeah. song. Yeah. I love it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. I actually remember the song, but not with that. One. <laughs> yeah, not with that. Yeah, no, I right, found the YouTube yeah. clip, and yeah. it, it had the full like the, the album full version, yeah, the it, album yeah. cut. Again, now I imagine Lev in '93, you know, out in <laughs> B-more, going, "Hey, baby, I gotta get out of the house. Going down the club, going down the choice. What you mean? I gotta. What you mean? Gotta do with me? Yeah, that's a good song. That's exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So, so, so I looked at it, and I, you know, I thought. Die Hard 2 is good, but not as good sure. right, right. as Die Hard 1. And so I figured what happened is that, you know, people just couldn't get enough of that character. Oh, yeah. 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 That, that character, John McClane, was just so attractive mm -hmm. and, and so different from the previous yeah. Bruce Willis. I don't know if you've seen the TV show Moonlight. Right, yeah, Moonlight. Yeah, the yeah. romantic comedy. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, you, even he did uh, Blind Date, too, like right. before he got into okay. that. And, I mean, he's he was playing to be, you know, so yeah, like the comic. romantic comedy type yeah. lead, yeah. But was the, wasn't he still sort of like that stinker, like uh, sort of that smirk kind of guy? On, on well, that's his. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was his, yeah, his shtick. That, yeah, he had that smirk, but it it's it's much more. There's much more sort of uh, um, working class anger. Yeah, okay. in, it, in it when he gets yeah. to the diehard. Right, right. Uh, uh, stuff. It's certainly not like the Schwarzenegger movies, the right, Van right. Damme movies, where they're almost invulnerable right, you know right. they're like just machines yeah. so yeah you get to him and he's very much blue collar right just doing a job yeah. kind of thing yeah. yeah it feels a lot of pain too. yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> cutting his up feet. his feet yeah. yeah some would say uh left a mark on his soul 
<laughs> it played better this yeah. time. It played better. Yes. No, that was, I was like, this one might get some. It yeah. took a couple yeah. seconds, but yeah. it played better. Yeah, there was good timing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As it was the delivery. Oh. Thank you, thank you. So, uh, so. my own podcast. So, so, so that, yeah, Die Hard 2. It it built you know the, there's you a seen nice the build at the end. I haven't seen the haven't the seen the three. third one. How many yeah. how many are there? Well, there's four, three. Soon to be no, five. There's three. There's three. Yeah, yeah. no, it can the fourth three. One. Yeah, the fourth you know, one is you know, not. You know, the usually there is you know a diminishing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it's it's strange because of my generation when I talk to people about Die Hard, a lot of people's first experience with Die Hard is the third one. Okay. Like that's truly. the movie that came out when we were becoming yeah, teenagers. So they'll see that first and then they'll go back to the. The first one I know people that say oh the third one's the best to this day so it's my it's it's I I, I no Die Hard's a better movie but I think sort of autobiographically and yeah. and like the time I saw it I like Die Hard yeah. 3 better and oh. I think that was the thing was Victorian directed the first and the third one yes and then Rennie Harlan directed the second one yeah so. and then you know Rennie Harlan's no, no great director I don't know have you seen Cutthroat Island I I really like the long the long kiss good like, the, the yeah, long kiss, kiss good night or goodbye yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the one with night. Gina Davis for she's a, she's a uh, she's a housewife, but then it turns out that she was actually a spy and a former yeah. wife kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I you know whatever three or four movies of his I've seen I yeah. haven't been that impressed, but I guess well, yeah. I should give him a chance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you guys no, gave mean, me two titles, yeah. which yeah, I really cliff, appreciate. And, cliff, and cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. You seen cliffhanger? But you were joking about Cutthroat Island. I was joking, yeah. though. My friend Scott Drummond <laughs> loves that movie. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, he's not, he's not a world beater, but uh, for I think McTiernan is good. McTiernan, oh, yeah, McTiernan is good, yeah, except yeah, yeah. for when it comes to tapping phone lines. Apparently, <laughs> the uh, American government had problems with that. Somebody's phone line. That's why he couldn't do Die Hard Four, is because he got into deep water with uh, the Justice Department for illegally tapping their toes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was illegally tapping his ex-wife's phone line uh, and it had something to do with maybe some terrorist co- oh. connections. That's oh. why he said that he was doing it. Oh. Oh, I didn't know that. Some story. some we- wow. some weird twisty turning. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, so Die Hard 1 you've got a good director and right. and, and a good movie and mm-hmm. and uh, you know now, because of your knowledge, I'm going to go definitely <laughs> sure. look at Die Hard Three. Yes. Oh yes. no, Die Hard Three is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and it's, it's it's not a carbon copy. That there's there's it takes place in the summer for one. <laughs> <laughs> there's a little more of a of a of a translation to a to a cityscape. It's not about um, just one place. Yeah. One place. It's about New York as a New city. New York as a city. Yeah. I think that my biggest criticism of the third one is that it might have one or too many twists. Yeah, yeah, that is your biggest yeah. criticism. You're right. That is your biggest yeah. criticism. Yeah, but I like twists. <laughs> yeah, but I like Everyone's twists. got their yeah. own thing. Chubby Checker? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I remember He's Chubby Checker. Playing. You still play in the audience. I love it. Yeah, so, yeah so, I remember doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the twist, by the way. For the, Actually, the, for, for the listeners, yeah. Peter is doing the twist right now. <laughs> Peter, thank you very much oh, for joining pleasure. us. It's been a, a nice over two-hour talk. Yeah, the, the, the time just flew by. Yeah. yeah. So thank you, guys. Yeah. Uh, I really oh, appreciate for it. Having us, yeah. I hope That's to have good. you on in the future. Thanks yeah. so much. Yeah, we'll come back and do it again. <laughs> wait, wait. Uh, no Twitter? Not, no, where, where can the people find yeah, plug, you? Yeah, plug. Twitter, you got the pl- plug the book. You got yeah. the book plugged. What got else? The book coming in in uh, February. Okay. Uh, so far, at least, I'm I'm staying off of Facebook because okay. I really think it's for you know your generation. Right, sure. right, right. Your generation and younger. Oh, but no, I, but I, yeah, yeah. I, I may I may have to. Uh, 
to re you know rethink no. that. No. Tw- Twitter doesn't really interest me. No, no. Okay. Facebook at this point is just like everybody. Like, because yeah. it came out like, well, I mean, you've been teaching here forever, so you saw that it was like a college thing and everything. Right. But at this, point, my mom's on Facebook. You yeah, know? right. My, no, I just it's, it's kind of it's kind of interesting too because before um, Facebook really gained steam, like I would email you or email Greg or whoever yeah. and kind of keep in touch. I hadn't talked to Keith since he since he left here or was unceremoniously not <laughs> not yeah. brought back. Right. But he uh, he too was someone that I wanted to talk to and keep in touch with, and I hadn't talked to him in years. And I was able to to find him on Facebook and kind of just keep in contact with right. him. It's interesting being yeah. uh, out of school and be uh, have a, a adult relationships, right, right. you know, with people yeah. that were your teachers before. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't want. People tell me it's no big deal, but I don't want to make this, you know, these decisions. I friend this person, and I don't. Yeah, friend that yeah, 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 yeah. Picking sure. and choosing. Yeah. But I mean, definitely the world is changing, and um, you know, Tao's in my school, my department. We're we're in an email culture. Right. Yeah. But definitely. how you know how much that's going to continue? How how whether we're going to be able to you know stay in that yeah. way? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Um, I sort of leapfrog some things. I don't have a smartphone, but I have an iPad now. Uh, there you go. Okay. Just because I said, yeah, that can really do some mm-hmm. things. That There's I advantages, need. Yeah. 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 Cool, cool. So if you want to get in touch with Lev, you got to come to Towson University. You need to write a letter yeah. to 8,000 York yeah, friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it's, a, it's an email culture. Actually, okay. the, the telephone almost never rings. When the oh, telephone no. rings, oh, yeah. it's a novelty, oh, yeah. novelty yeah, yeah, yeah. these days. Yep. But, you know, we still have telephones. Yep. <laughs> 19th century invention (laughs) still hanging in there just like film (laughs) that's absolutely that's a good ending line (laughs) well done (laughs) thank you guys Oh oui, peut-être que tu n'auras pas tout croqué Thanks again to uh, Peter Lev. I had a really good time with that. And then thanks to Fernando. He, he, he was a great addition to it. So, um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. It's number 10. It's a big milestone for, for me. And I'm so happy to see the show get to uh, to this point. You know, uh, going forward, it'll feel great to say, hey, you know, at least I have this much content in the world. I have this much content that I have published. And, uh, you know, it, it makes me happy that uh that we've gotten to this to this point going forward so facebook.com slash debatable podcast debatable podcast.tumblr.com itunes please get in touch with us rate us uh send notes send comments go over to facebook and like us yes um that's it i hope you tune in next week uh, i love you guys thank you for listening the music on today's podcast was brought to you by musicalley.com uh, go on over there, check them out. I have the uh, the bands and their songs on the show notes, along with links to their band pages on Music Alley. Uh, go check them out if you uh, like the music. Uh, download them, support those artists. Un jour dans un rêve, tu 
Ce jour-là, peut-être, oh oui peut-être, tu te moqueras bien de toi. Tu te moqueras bien de toi. Tu te moqueras bien de toi.